This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Welcome to Titans. Oh no, no, that's that's not that's not right. This isn't this isn't that. Um, what is this exactly? Well, let's see. It's me, Kelly Nelson here, um, and I'm joined by two of my uh, former Titans partners. One, Pete Shermarker. Say hello, Pete. Hey, how's it going? And the other, the one and only Johnny Sorrow. How's it going? Hey, I, uh, it's going well. It's going well. It's like getting the band back. Like I just saw uh, Dead and Company this past weekend, you know. So this is like the new evolution of Titans, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll get around to explaining this. Basically, <laughs> we we are gathered tonight to discuss the great man who we mm-hmm. discussed many many times over the years, uh, the living legend Bruno Sammartino. And the reason we are discussing him now is because uh, a couple weeks ago on the WWE Network, uh, a new collection was added, uh, San Martino, The Legend Lives. And uh, what happened was, you know, one afternoon I was out with my wife having lunch and I got a message on Facebook from Pete saying, hey, let's, uh, we should probably get together and, and talk about this collection. And, you know, I hadn't been thinking about it at all. And uh, that's what happened. We we discussed it a bit, and here we are, our first post Titans show together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 cool. It's great to be back with you guys. Um, at the same time, I had this idea in my mind that, you know, well, first off, yes, I, I kind of disappeared a bit from the world of podcasting. Not not quite as much as Parv has. Um, Parv's completely gone. Um, uh, it seems. Um, but yeah, he's like the incognito character on your uh, when you want to go incognito and like illegally download something, download something like porn <laughs> <laughs> on your computer. Yeah, he's he's uh, into politics quite a bit these days. Um, I can tell you that much. Um, not so much the professional wrestling anymore. But anyway, um, myself, I, I cut What's back. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it, exactly. I mean, that's true. It's 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 politics is more professional wrestling than professional wrestling these days, um, uh, in England and uh, the states. Anyway, um, so anyway, I I cut back on on podcasts. I had a, a wedding to plan, and that consumed my life for the first half of 2017. And now, hey, I'm back. Um, I've been doing shots and uh, pitas as well on um, the Place to Be podcast, talking 1985-86 um, WWF at Madison Square Garden uh, with Scott and Justin. That's That's been fun. Um, 
But now I'm back into doing, you know, I want to start hosting again, producing again. And I had this idea for a show, you know, like a history show, to do not not very frequently because I don't want to be tied down by anything anymore. I want to just basically do podcasts whenever I want. So the idea was to do like a history, uh, wrestling history podcast every few months. And then when Pete came up with this idea for the Bruno Collection, it felt like, okay, this is the perfect time. So, yes, this is the pilot for uh, a new show. And in Greek mythology, the Titan gods uh, were replaced by the Olympic gods, the Olympians. And so um, I was thinking of a cool name, and the best I came up with was Mount Olympus. Um, So, yes, welcome to Mount Olympus, folks. (laughs) <laughs> timely with wonder woman and stuff yeah i think that maybe had something to do with it i just saw that not too long ago and yeah anyway um here we are on the top of the mountain um discussing a god a wrestling god mm-hmm. bruno sammartino and this collection is um pretty good actually like if you're not, if you haven't seen a lot of Bruno before, this is a really good um, selection that they put together. Actually, um, it covers uh, stuff as early as like the late '60s and all the way up to his um, his uh, old man run in 1985, 1986, and um, it covers a ton of stuff that you know the three of us went over on Titans uh, back in the day. Um, a lot of um, oh, it's got the Larry feud featured prominently in it it's got uh the feud with spiros arion that we talked about on titans featured on it uh matches with superstar billy graham ken patera uh and then later with roddy piper randy savage um it's got a couple matches that as far as i know weren't really out there at all in in trading circles um and we'll discuss both of those matches tonight um just like a great introduction to Bruno. And, you know, we're not going to cover the whole uh, collection because we discussed a lot of um, these matches on Titans and I felt like we don't need to, you know, repeat ourselves. But, um, yes, definitely uh, dive into the Titans archive if you're not familiar with it, Titans of Wrestling Archive, um, where we looked at, it was very early in our run, like within the first 10 episodes where we, did multiple episodes on the Larry versus Bruno feud, which I think was when we first really like gelled maybe almost, or or, I don't know if that's true, but it was like one of the first big moments anyway, I think for the show when we were just going crazy over that feud and the footage there. Well, well, what what it was uh, real quick is that we had all this footage that we'd never seen before Mm -hmm. instead of just, instead of just the initial thing and the cage match. Yeah. We had all this other stuff and it all just fleshed out and made you realize just how amazing it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was what I was thinking uh, the other day is that hopefully some, like at some point in the future, WWE puts together like the whole feud, like in great uh, pristine condition. Cause um, a lot of those early like interviews with Larry and Bruno, the footage quality was pretty poor, um, and for some of the matches it wasn't wasn't great. So I'd love to see like a total cleaned up version of the whole feud because it tells a great story. Like uh, it's awesome. Um, so yeah, we're gonna go. Over, we're gonna skip over a few of those matches that we already uh, discussed on Titans and go over the stuff that like the brand new stuff for us. Um, so yeah, let's get right into it. 
Um, hey, before we get into it, I was just wondering what your guys' opinion is, because I, I think the collection series on the network is one of my favorite things, because they really give you some oddball ones, they give you some ones, there's some ones yeah, I don't care about, but for the most part, like I love like the hidden hidden gems, like right. the San Martino one, I thought the Flair and the Savage one was neat, and Fuji, and... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, snookers. I mean, they could have done better, but I overall I enjoy those because it actually gives us matches, and it's it's definitely definitely something I I look forward to every month, wondering what's going to be the new collection. Oh yeah, me too. It, it's especially this one for like yeah. you know me and us. But it's like for anyone's you know who are saying like, well, they put up more classic footage. Well, they are. <laughs> and I would recommend anyone who just thinks of Bruno as like, oh, he was just a punch kick guy what was the big deal watch this because they do they do for someone who was out of grace with them for as long as bruno was Mm -hmm. and vice versa and vice versa and uh they put together a a stunning collection Uh, yeah it it almost felt like um they i I really think originally this might have been an idea for a dvd release that they were thinking of and i think maybe they thought now that he might have been a little bit past I mean, the San Martino name might not mean as much in the DVD collecting era. Yeah. And that DVD sales have gone down where it exactly. might, not, might not be profitable. So I think because this totally felt like something like the old uh, Ric Flair collection mm-hmm. when they first released that. Uh, yeah. It must have been like 10 years ago now. And uh, mm-hmm. when they had matches with little clips of Flair talking about his opponent in between. Yeah. Uh, sec- Well, that's just it. It's because DVD sales are dead, pretty much. The only DVD they're releasing is that Unseen Matches one, and that's because Completus will buy that, and that's the only target area. Everything's got to be on the network now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. They have, yeah, it has basically replaced the DVDs. Um, Yeah, the collections are cool. I mean, one of the best Titans episodes we ever did was based on the Last Battle of Atlanta match that was part of the Hidden Gems collection. Or at least one of my favorite Titans we ever. Yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. Yeah, so that there was that. Yeah, no, there's. I mean, a lot of it for people like us, you know, we've seen a lot. You know, probably most of the matches on these collections, but they're great um, for you know introductory purposes, and and just yeah, um, just yeah, the really great selection hits all the high points, and uh, the Bruno one does as well. So yeah, they put they put up a lot of hidden gems. I mean, what's what it is, you know? Yeah, I know, and that's a great point, Johnny, about the like the unseen matches DVD, and it's cool that that that's you know one way they can make money is is or still off of DVDs is to release stuff that hasn't been seen before. So hopefully we're going to see uh, more of that in the future, um, because the one I, I, I I'm sure we've all seen the listing for the one the DVD that's coming out soon, the unseen. Matches and and there looks to be quite a few uh, interesting matches on that. Uh, and in this footage, and we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit. In between the matches, there's little interview segments with Bruno, and he provides some pretty cool little insights uh, about a few yeah. things. Yeah, and then well, that's a good place to start because the first thing up on the collection is Bruno talking about how he got into professional wrestling. Um, basically, yeah, the story was he was you know in Pittsburgh. Uh, that's where he ended up after all the rough years in Italy during the war. And he, this, that Pittsburgh's where he started uh, getting into weightlifting and, and became a bodybuilder and became the Italian strongman and got noticed by Rudy Miller, who was a promoter in Pittsburgh. And they had their own TV show. It was, basically, Pittsburgh was its own uh, little territory at the time. 
Studio Wrestling, and Rudy Miller was close to Vince Sr., and it went, actually, you know, things moved really fast. Like, Bruno went from somebody that wasn't um, a professional wrestler to, like, four or five months later, he was second from the top at Madison Square Garden. Like, it went that quickly for him. Um, Johnny, any uh, comments on this first clip? Well, just, just that, speaking to that is you look at young Bruno, and you can see why. I mean, the guy had amazing skills. He was going to learn, but he had a look that no one else had. He was a huge beast muscle guy in an era where there wasn't a lot of that. Yeah. And he had a, and he was still young and kind of handsome. And, and he had the backstory, which is the, the most, the, the, the best. And to this day, I still think it's one of the best backstories about coming to this country with nothing and working your way to the top. Yeah. You know, and, and he, he's, he's the immigrant story wrapped up in a bug that's the american immigrant story and, and that's what he's talking about here he's he t- he's talking about the stuff we've all heard a bunch about italy and the war and everything uh but yeah then just being in pittsburgh and working hard it was already working on the docks or something and or yeah or, steel even mill or something. construction yeah something construction like yeah yeah gets noticed gets a chance and then that, that's the beginning yeah totally um all right, Pete, any uh, comments on this first little clip? Uh, you guys covered it. I mean, yeah, it, just, it was just really neat, you know? Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, I'd love to have, like, a long-form Bruno interview. Like a, oh, yeah. Yeah, the shoot interview, if you will. Um, uh, that would be sensational. Okay, well, let's get into the matches. The first one we're going to look at is not uh, dated correctly on the network. And, <laughs> you know... Um, I'm not the only one who noticed this. Um, and over the years, um, you you know, a lot of people will notice that on like DVD releases, they have the dates wrong on stuff and other stuff on uh, like the old 24-7 service. This one is dated August 9th, 1975 against George Steele. Um, and it's supposed to be, I think, uh, does it say it's from Madison Square Garden? Anyway... Yeah, so clearly it is not. Yeah, there was a, a match between Bruno and George Steele on August 9th, 1975 at Madison Square Garden. But it was on an untelevised card as back in those days, they would televise some of the shows from MSG, but not all of them. So there's no footage of that card out there that uh, anyone is aware of. And if, yeah, if you, like Pete said, if you look at the footage, it's clearly not MSG. It's clearly not 1975 because Bruno has the old uh, WWWF title, the one that uh, they changed when Pedro was champion, actually. Um, So it's definitely not 1975. Looking around... Uh, on Kayfabe Memories, the best guess one guy had was they have the date correct, or at least they have the first part of the date correct, August the 9th. That's correct. But the year is actually 1969, and it's from the Philadelphia Arena, um, mm. which I guessed because I've seen there's some matches out there uh, from the Philadelphia Arena, and it definitely has the same look. And the ring is the same with the, the Everlast uh, turnbuckles. And so this is kind of cool if this is the date, because there's not too much uh, 1960s Bruno out there. Um, there's some uh, matches with uh, Giant Baba from Japan, but nothing, not too much from the States that I'm aware of. So, and this is George Steele right when he first started doing the George Animal Steel gimmick, which is mm-hmm. cool, which is pretty cool too. Um, so we're going to go with that 
Um, we're going to go with it being August 9th, 1969. So the tail end of Bruno's epic first title run. Um, yeah, uh, this was this was really fun. This this whole thing. Um, what a crazy crowd in Philadelphia that night. <laughs> um, well, like we did on Titans, uh, we had Pete lead off for the, for the analysis. So Pete, take it away. Yeah, I found this really interesting, and uh, I mean, there's so so many wacky bits of psychology that don't relate at all in wrestling anymore, and I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, well, right off the bat, you, you, the animal is carrying a good amount of heat here. The crowd just hates him. Bruno looks amazing, almost like a a, a statuesque uh, yeah. strong man from like uh, from the movies, almost the way with the way his hair is perfectly yeah. coiffed. Um, we get this really strong lock up to start, like two bulls. And I absolutely love the fact that George Steele delivers a rabid punch and begins to stomp away on, on Bruno. I mean, I, I was amazed how an illegal boxing move set up Steele's heat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, again, wrestling's trying to make it realistic. Rabbit punches are always illegal in, in, in boxing. And here, I, bet, I mean, I bet you a lot of uh, fans nowadays wouldn't even have an, no idea what a rabbit punch is. And I absolutely loved that it sets up Steel's heat. <laughs> um, Bruno reverses Steel into the corner for a comeback. We see this nasty boot by Bruno, who I think throws one of the best boots and kicks in wrestling. Um, Steel, he's taking like a powder to stop Bruno's momentum, and Bruno attacks him with a lot of vigor upon re-entry. Bruno gives Steel a header into the ring post, and I'm absolutely this this arena actually had a ton of kids here, yeah. and I love uh, Steel having the kids run in fear from him, and I think Steel was just loving the fact that he had all the kids just terrified of him, um, and there's just a load of them in the crowd. Steel irate and the bejesus out of Bruno, and the ref is looking for the foreign object. Uh, someone in the crowd throws a chair at Steel. We see some more brawling on the floor. Bruno does some nice revenge spots with the eye raking. Steel again going for the forum object again. And I love how Bruno gets it and beats on Steel with it. Steel throws something in Bruno's face. Um, this is really inter- a really interesting match. Uh, a lot of aspects I enjoyed about it. I'm not sure if hide the object is a skill set of an animal. But uh, it was still enjoyable. I just didn't think it fit the character. But again, just like you mentioned, Kelly, this is right when he moved away from what the teacher, uh, the student, the, uh, the student. I'm sorry, into the uh, into the animal. And he became the teacher. <laughs> and uh, so I can kind of see uh, him. You know, he's, for right now he's feeling. I mean, he clearly understands the gimmick, but it still feels like he's getting his feet wet with it. Yeah. And so I can, I can understand that. Still, there's a lot of like, like the brawling in here all felt personal. And uh, I enjoyed it. I gave it like two and a half stars. Yeah, I was just about to ask if you dropped some snowflakes on it. Because that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's my new gimmick on uh, the Place to Be podcast is I, I rate matches. So I, I, I rated these matches. So, yeah, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Be careful. Sure. That, that, that tends to set people off nowadays. Yeah, exactly. I know. Next- well, well, if you break the system. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
The system. <laughs> the system is broken. Um, but anyway, uh, Johnny, what did you think of this one? Okay, well, first of all, when I saw the way the film looked, I immediately was waiting to hear the voice of Rocky Raymond. Uh, back from, <laughs> yeah. like, Here we are. <laughs> Red ship down to Philly. Yeah, and uh, WWE so, ain't playing that, paying that fool any royalties. Maybe it was him, and they just edited him out, and <laughs> just to piss it him made off. the footage much better. Yeah. Go on. Oh, I loved him. Anywho, so but there was a hot mic, and the audio yeah. issues on on this footage go up and down and up and down, and it's muffled, and then it's really crisp with a lot of treble and high end. It's like listening to early Pink Floyd. I had, had I had headphones on. Listen to this. So, and it's all over the place, and it's great because uh, first of all, the the ring announcer he sounded and looked just like the little bald guy from uh, Twelve Angry Men. Remember that actor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little high pitched voice. I was like, oh, that's that guy. Uh, in the front row, hard camera. There's like about two deep of just old men. Just old men in Archie Bunker shirts and cigars, and they're not cheering. They're not applauding. They're just watching this. And I figured they're the smart fans of their day. They've been coming to this shit since they were kids, and they're not reacting to anything. But instead of coming up with stupid chants, they're being, you know, acting their age and just sitting there watching stoically. <laughs> but behind them, you see kids jumping up and down, you know, to Pete's point. And the mic. For a while, it's picking up a woman, and she's talking to her kid, and you can't make it out. And he's saying something, and she's like, da 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 And then all of a sudden, she yells at Steele, Steele, you bum! <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Uh, and that Steele, speaking of being younger, that bump he took to the floor was awesome. I was like, George Steele just over the top rope, bumped to the concrete. Yeah, never seen that before. Uh then just, you hear these kids yelling, go, Bruno, kill him, kill him. And I was like, it's Philly. Uh, to be fair, probably, that was probably everywhere he went. But uh, when they're in, when they're on the floor brawling, and it's just they're in with those people, and those kids are yelling, and I mean, the kids are running away, there's a black couple who are just cheering, and when Bruno starts kicking his ass, the guy is just punching the air like, yeah, motherfucker. And he's super into it. And, uh, Bruno's going apeshit on the floor, and that's what we're going to talk about. Everyone talks about hulking up or Lawler dropping the strap. You know, it's something that's been around forever. It's Popeye is what it is. Uh, Bruno does it a lot. When you see younger Bruno doing it, it's awesome. It's awesome. You pushed him too far. And uh, then all of a sudden you hear, the ch- this was Philly, all right, 1969, and a We Want Blood yeah, that's awesome. starts. We want blood. We want blood. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And I didn't know it was Philly until you pointed it out to me. It all makes sense now. <laughs> Philly's been that way forever, apparently. Yeah. And then you hear man yell, because Bruno's kicking the shit out of his deal. This old man yells, kick his head in. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So the atmosphere of the crowd made it for me. And seeing young Bruno, like you said, Pete, like he could have been uh, Hercules in one of those bad movies in, in the 60s. It's <laughs> like Steve Reeves was in yeah. and, uh, and Mariska Haggerty's dad. Uh, and uh, the play, when, at the end, Bruno wins or whatever, place fucking explodes. It explodes. And uh, I love 
even the graininess of the footage and the audio issues, I like it more. It feels more like a treasure that someone found and it's like, check this shit out. And it feels old. And I like that feeling of stepping back through history. And sometimes if the, the footage is too good from old stuff, it loses that at least for me, but hey, this was a lot of fun. Well, one other thing before you go on Kelly, another thing I found interesting is listening to the crowds and Johnny and I have been listening to watching a lot of Houston. Yeah. Um, and, and here in Philly, you can definitely tell it's a lot different crowd sound than the ones when we get in MSG in a little bit. And I'll get to them later on when we talk about it, but it's really fascinating if you really listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, this footage, it gives you a more intimate feeling, like that you're almost there, more so than the MSG footage, right? Um, without the commentary and more like with the, the, yeah. the mic being very close to like the, the front row or whatever. Um, yeah, well, it, it's MSG being MSG. It's the showplace of the world and all right. that stuff. And I mean, it looks that way. And people are going there. It's New York City. Philly, especially at this time, Philly had a very working class mentality yeah. of, of the city. Philly was a, it still is, it was a working class town. And you can sense it in that crowd. Yeah. It just occurred to me I should have been looking for a young uh, Super 8 in the crowd. <laughs> Ooh, you missed an opportunity yeah. there. Maybe he wasn't fat yet. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he hadn't had his first uh, double cheeseburger. Yep. Yeah. No, there's a good chance he was there because this was before they started running shows at the Spectrum. Oh, so maybe this... it was his recording. I mean, how? Yeah. <laughs> he was. He was. That's a... got to start. Yeah, he was a professional uh, uh, cameraman. It's interesting, um, also, why this was filmed exactly. I guess probably on the um, the Saturday shows back then they would have shown clips from the house shows to uh, you know like the finishes and stuff like they would do. So that's probably why this was filmed. And there was two cameras because they did change the angle back and forth. So it wasn't just a one camera uh, shoot. There was actually two cameras. Um, Arnold Scollin, Golden Boy, is with looking Toronto. good, huh? <laughs> yeah, he's he's there in 1969. I wonder when he started uh, uh, seconding uh, Bruno or being his manager or whatever. Um, uh. Because he was still wrestling. That's, that, that's, something, that's something like Parv used to would ask. So, <laughs> Kelly, when did, uh, yeah. when did Arnold Scarland start managing uh, Bruno San Martino? <laughs> yeah. Um, this is and the thing is, and nine times out of ten, Kelly had the answer. Yeah, so instead, of getting, instead of getting <laughs> right. dead air, you had an answer. Yeah. Right. Well, five straight brain busters. That's, uh, that's, that's right. <laughs> um, Pre-hair piece, Bruno, too, I think, in 1969. Um, yeah. This no, I I love this. Um, as far as like the footage and just like a different feel than you're used to. Um, you know, I think they filmed a lot of these because clips have popped up over the years here and there of uh, house show matches. Yeah, like and, the like the Graham one, the superstar Billy Graham, the Baltimore one. Right. Have, yeah, know? yeah, that's one of the more famous. But on even like on the old Coliseum home videos, they would do like these uh, music. Uh, sort of tribute things or whatever and they would show like a bunch of clips in quick succession and you'd get these glimpses of matches from like the early 70s or maybe even the 60s so there's stuff uh, in the vault definitely um yeah the heat was great for this really built up to where it was really wild like there's no barrier whatsoever outside none uh, none um chairs being thrown at steel like you mentioned pete the kids running like chasing them around just wild stuff um the first pinfall attempt wasn't until 12 minutes in um so that's another 
you know, big difference from uh, today. Johnny, you mentioned the We Want Blood chant. That was cool. Philly's always been Philly. Um, yeah, it was it was a really uh, cool match. And Pete, I did, uh, I agree with you completely. I gave it two and a half stars myself. Cool. So, uh, yeah, the star rating thing, that's not too hard. You've been doing it for years. I've been just doing it for a few months, and we're, we're totally aligned. Yeah, like for me, most of the time I throw it down there because I think a lot of people like hearing the star rating. And I also, for my notes, if I see something I rate uh, a star and a half, I don't really have any desire. Why should I have to rewatch it if I'm bored on a Friday night or Saturday morning or what have you? Yeah. See, I was about to say, with, with with the current Meltzer star rating apparently just shattering and people not knowing what to do with themselves, their whole <laughs> wrestling fandom has been has been broken. It's been based on this five-star thing. We, there's a perfect opportunity for to take the two of you, and we can replace him with that. You know? <laughs> we can take over the wrestling internet, my friends. <laughs> Bring the stars back to where yes, they belong. old-school stars. Old school stars, yeah. Well, what, I, I, what, would, what would Norm Dooley think? Uh. <laughs> he, was the one, he was the one who really created the system, supposedly. That's right. Deep, deep cuts. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, uh, back to the matches. Um, so in the collection, uh, next up is, and actually uh, this is the first match you'd see on the collection, is a match with Bruno against Killer Kowalski. Um as Johnny size. Um, this was your strongbow, basically, Kowalski. Hey, well, the, real quick, the thing about Kowalski is I, I never enjoyed watching him wrestle. Then again, I only ever saw this Kowalski, and I still don't enjoy watching him wrestle. But then I read about his life and what the guy was like, and I think he's awesome. He's like one of my favorite people in wrestling. I think he's probably one of the best human beings in wrestling. I just don't like watching him perform. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's understandable when you see a lot of his stuff from uh, this time period. Well, yeah, it was when we did the the briefly uh, the brief lived um, short lived Titans 1975 episodes where we encountered <laughs> the, the, the spinoff that got canceled. <laughs> yeah, canceled after four episodes. Um, yeah, it, it got pretty controversial because there was not enough uh, good wrestling for for some folks. There um, and Kowalski. I remember the one I remember is probably the one you guys remember. It was him and Victor Rivera in a in a very boring match Oof. from 1975 MSG with um, I believe a knee claw at one point. Oh, now yeah. now I remember. I didn't, not, I, one, I, not, not just at one point. I think a few of one point. Ten. No, I completely wiped that out of my mind. But thank you. You mentioned <laughs> knee claw, and it all just came rushing back like like I was in the nom. Um, so this is from a year before Kowalski and Bruno had, you know, had an on and off war basically since, you know, the beginning of Bruno's, uh, career in New York almost. I think they wrestled each other in 1960 at MSG. Um, so they would bring Kowalski back all the time. He was, he was a big draw. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And he meant a lot. And real quick, Kelly, you got to figure back then it was probably built as a battle of muscle guys because Kowalski was a muscle guy. Back then, and then he switched his diet and all that. I've seen the pictures of a young young Kowalski. So, like, young Bruno versus young Kowalski must have looked like a clash of the titans. Yes, that's true. Because then, yeah, Kowalski went completely vegetarian and uh, and got pretty uh, lean-looking. Um, so this is April 29th, 1974. One of the first televised uh, MSG cards on on HBO, as it was then. 
Um, not too long after Bruno regained the strap. Um, so this is the second uh, title reign. Um, this is joined in progress. Pete, what did you think of it? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I liked it for for the storytelling part, where you see Killer Kowalski working the arm and the ropes, and and you see Bruno fighting him off and going after the leg, and Killer Kowalski he's biting Bruno's arm. I really like both guys to stick into the body parts. It's simple but effective. Uh, plus, with Bruno, he's taking out Killer Kowalski's or one of his finishers, which is the flying knee drop. Um, mm-hmm. And I, then when he, Bruno gets busted open, I like seeing Kowalski work the cut, and the crowd's getting really pissed off at Kowalski for working the cut. And the MSG just explodes on Bruno's comeback. And what a great finish, and really made the match. I, I give it like another two and a half star match. I, 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 I enjoyed everything, and I and that finish really put it over the top. Okay. Johnny? Well, first of all, I remember one of the characters we created was the guy who's the, the toupee glue dealer at <laughs> Madison Square Garden. Uh, he was at a ringside for, for this fucking yeah. show. Yeah, oh yeah. Because uh, uh, he, he had a lot invested in this. His two best clients. Yeah. Two best clients, you got to figure who Kowalski's limited and everything, but he's, please don't do any hair pulling spots. Uh, <laughs> And maybe, maybe you know, I figured it out. I just put it together because there's a guy sitting literally at ringside. He's got a chair and he's sitting right at the apron, just in the middle. And he looks like an old mob guy. He's wearing a tracksuit. He looks like Uncle Junior. And he's just sitting there watching. I was like, oh, that's, that must be that guy. He's like, I want to see my work up close. Uh, <laughs> and. Yeah, I'm, and I'm I'm enjoying it for the best I can. You know, the crowd's into it. I just Kowalski does nothing for me. Uh, but and at one point though, uh, they cut to the crowd, and there's there's a dude sitting there with a fro bigger than Dwayne from What's Happening. And I was like, damn, it's the '70s. But then it immediately shifts to two grannies just coming and at towards the ring. One of them standing up and pointing and screaming at Kowalski for being a cheater, just point and scream. And you can't hear her obviously, but I was like, I always love it when I see old grannies angry <laughs> at wrestlers. It's like one of my favorite things. Uh, but yeah, then Bruno's bleeding. And then to your point, Pete, uh, the crowd pops with Bruno snaps. And back to what I was saying, the buildup for him snapping, him standing there and he's taking more punishment. His arms are shaking and his arms are shaking. And when he's finally had enough, you're fucked. You know, you, and he comes in and he's a house of fire. He's fast and he's punching and he's kicking. He's beating the dog shit out of him. And the place is going crazy. And I love that Bruno, you've pushed me too far, the uh, thing that he does. Yeah. You know, cause, cause he's, cause he's always, he, he's the gentleman. He's the champion. He's soft spoken in interviews and he, you know, he's the, the great man, you know, and he's not a cheater. You know, or anything, but you push me too far, and that's what because that's why it's great that he works with guys who cheat a lot. You know, so he doesn't do scientific wrestling; he just has to snap at the right time. And boy, that place exploded! And then I fell in love with the match from like that point on. And you're right; the ending was great. Yeah, yeah, the ending was awesome. This has been on, you know, a bunch of different. uh, DVDs and also is on the old History of the Heavyweight Title Coliseum Home video way back in oh, the yeah? 80s, yeah, um, which was one of my favorite. I don't 80s. remember the I don't remember the 80s, dude. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you should check out that tape because it, it, it's actually pretty. For the time, it was it was pretty comprehensive because it had Bruno's reign, it had Backlund's reign. When back, both guys, well, no, Bruno was still with the company, but Backlund was blacklisted basically. Well, well, no. To be fair, I remember watching them. I just don't really remember. Yeah. I remember thinking at the time, this is odd for Coliseum videos to have all this sort of shit on them. Yeah. Well, I just remember this match because my friends uh, and me, we would make fun of of Kowalski as the guy with the messy hair. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we didn't know anything else about him. But, oh, do you remember that match with the guy with the messy hair? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because he looks really goofy here. Um, And, yeah, a messy toupee. That was barely hanging on at points, I think. Um, of course, his, his toupee, his toupee looked like the, the the toupee on the principal in the smoking in the boys' room video. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you see, see, see yeah. You, you remember the eighties? I do. Yeah, you're yeah, right, yeah. dude. I do remember some of the eighties. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, so we're about halfway in when this starts. The match went twenty four. Uh, 15. So we got about 12 minutes or so of this. Um, one of the old ladies that you mentioned, uh, Johnny, uh, is pretty famous. Uh, Georgette Krieger. She was oh, the really? one, the one who would travel up from Baltimore, uh, for all the MSG shows. Um, she was there all throughout the seventies, oh. um, would usually get pretty vocal. Her favorite thing to do was when, uh, Mr. Fuji or Toro Tanaka threw salt, in the corner, she would get up out of her seat and, and wipe it off the canvas. Um, that was one thing she would do. She was basically part of the show. <laughs> Waste not one, not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was a she was a great character. Um, yeah, Bruno's comeback was so hot and awesome. And, and you know, the the babyface locker room empties out to break up the brawl. Oh, another thing I want to mention is Bruno like clearly calling spots throughout did you guys notice this oh yeah 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 first like he he says something to kowalski maybe it was when um he got busted open and then when they're doing the brawl he clearly like tells the referee to ring the bell um yeah like Mm -hmm. we're good you know we've got them hot enough they're gonna come back next month don't worry ring the bell and what's neat about that now that you mentioned this now that you mentioned it was the first televised one and i didn't take that into consideration because i was noticing that he was waiting to call the spots when Kowalski was standing in front of him and he was down to block from the, and he'd be in the corner usually. Yeah. So he'd be blocking it from the audience, but not blocking it from these cameras and the shoot. So being the first televised one from Madison square garden like that, suddenly the cameras are right up in there and you're seeing shit that you're not supposed to see. Yeah. And guys, guys had to get better at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good point, Johnny. Yeah, that is a very good point. Um, and the rematch next month was a Texas death match, but unfortunately was one of the untelevised shows. Um, cause it, it, it probably would have been a pretty Shucks. fun match. Well, <laughs> you, you never know. It probably would have been pretty bloody. Um, well, think, remember WWF Texas death matches, sometimes not bloody. That's true. <laughs> and, and, that's true. And, and WWF, uh, title blow-off matches is the champ takes 80% of the match, 90% of the match, and we, as we'll see, and I like a match or two here. That's true. That's very true. Um, anyway, so next up, um, on the playlist or on the collection, uh, we have the Greek death match with Spiros Arion. And speaking of Titan 75, this was definitely the highlight of those four episodes. We saw 
all three of the matches between Bruno and Arion at MSG, um, February, March, and April 1975. Um, it was at that point it was the hottest feud that the city had ever seen, that the building had ever seen. Um, three straight double sellouts with MSG in the felt form, uh, super hot. I just watched these again a couple of weeks ago with my friend Travis who um, I did the Stampede Titans with and who uh, is the co-host of Lucha Afterground on uh, Place to Be Nation. And he hadn't seen these before. Actually, we made a whole evening of watching old Bruno matches. I took over the the old James 75 to 78 set. And uh, we went, the first thing we watched was the, the Arion feud. And wow, are those matches awesome. This was actually his bachelor party. <laughs> yeah well my bachelor party we did go to a wrestling show um, that's awesome oh we did oh actually on my bachelor party we came back we after the wrestling show to travis's place and put on um the larry bruno feud on youtube <laughs> that's yeah. dedication that's a uh-huh. yeah that's dedication that's cool <laughs> um so yeah we always end up at travis's place watching old uh matches um but yeah, watching these again, wow, that Arion uh, series was just incredible. Um, the, yeah. f- the first match had that, the all-time greatest like Bruno comeback, where he beat uh, Arion so bad he started bleeding, and like the match had to be stopped. That was the comeback. Um, it was so crazy. Yeah, as um, I, I, you mentioned it, I, I, those definitely were the standout. Like I liked a lot of that '75 stuff for. His story value, comedy value, but as far as like, I mean, here's a gem. It was, it was definitely just the, uh, from what we watched, definitely Bruno Arian was the high point. Oh, for sure. And the match they have on the collection is the Greek death match, the, the blow off, because it went, they had the first match, and then the second match was the Texas death match, which ended in controversy with um, Arian getting his foot on the ropes, but the ref counted three on a pin. So they had one more match, which was a Greek death match, which um, was a submission match. Um, and it's really good. But, you know, <laughs> if and you can't watch them all on the network. It's a shame. But if you can, get um, all three of the San Martino Arion matches and watch them. Um, it's, it's a really great trilogy. Um, so what's next here? We have, oh, yeah, the next match is the match against Volta von Erich from June 16th, 1975, which we talked about on the last Titans. In fact, it was the last match we reviewed on the last Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, short, but sweet. Um, an all time nuclear MSG crowd for that one. Uh, really awesome. Um, and then we have, now we're getting into Ivan Koloff. Ooh, yeah. And there's a bit where Bruno talks about Koloff and MSG. Um, Anything you want to mention about that, Johnny? Uh, just that he just puts over Ivan as being like he, being fantastic. He's just like, oh, now Ivan Koloff. Now that was a you know, he's just he's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler, and he's a talent that you know, he has all the respect in the world for Ivan Koloff. Uh, and I, and a lot of it was probably his look too at the time. I mean, he comes, Ivan Koloff comes in, and he's in shape. He's a muscle guy, and he's in shape naturally. Yeah, yeah. like Bruno, you know, and he can work. I think yeah. it fucking work, yeah. you know. So, and uh, so he, I, I just love that he had just nothing to but nice things to say about Ivan, given you know, especially given that he just passed away. 
Yeah, no, he always he loved Ivan. He handpicked Ivan basically to uh, mm-hmm. take the title off of him in 1971. So that speaks a lot for the respect that he had for him. But here we are in 1975, and Koloff basically after dropping the title to Pedro in 71, Pedro Morales left the territory immediately. Um, the story is that he, you know, he had too much heat. You know, they were afraid of the crowd reactions that he got after beating Bruno and ending the, the long run. Um, and then he went to, to the AWA and was a huge success there. And then he came back to New York finally in late 1975 to have, you know, the revenge series with San Martino because San Martino had never uh, decisively defeated Koloff in New York. Um, so this series was another epic, you know, mega sellout series, three straight. Um, and the match they have on the collection is the blow off to that feud. And it was the first ever steel cage match at Madison Square Garden to boot. So, you know, what a what an epic end to this feud. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, this one, this match has been on a few uh, collections over the years, like DVDs. I think it was even on maybe a Coliseum Home video as well back in the day. Um, yeah. So, Pete, what what are your thoughts on the first ever cage match at Madison Square Garden? Well, I want to touch about the, uh, the, 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 the how Bruno talks about Ivan. Oh, Another yeah. thing he really stresses is how he really kind of he's really disappointed that they really didn't give Ivan a big run with the belt where he felt mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Ivan was really deserving and and it's so true and you can tell because like Bruno uh, did a you can tell how much love and respect they had because like Bruno did the Ivan documentary DVD uh, and talked about him on that and and they always had a really cool chemistry together because they were kind of like the yin to the yang mm-hmm. where both of them were like built like identical. They're about the same height. They're both like you know not having any neck. They're, you know, so it's just like evil. It's like almost like it's almost like uh, almost like you're like a superhero. Like the what is it like uh, like the Injustice King or whatever? Where the, yeah, where yeah. the whatever is where you have evil Superman versus good Superman type of type of thing in a way. Yeah, exactly. It's it, it's also to that point. It's also. Because he's doing the Russian thing, mm-hmm. and he's a foreigner, and Bruno is an immigrant foreigner fighting for his adopted country and against another foreigner. That plays into that a lot, and because not only does he hate the heat, and then but he's the one who beat Bruno. Mm-hmm. So that you're right, the yin and the yang thing uh, with their characters and with Bruno. What's the one blemish? That guy. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, it makes for a great dynamic, especially when you see them younger and they you see how big they are, you know, and yep. young looking, and you're like, damn, that's like a, a clash of bulls. Exactly, and then Ivan, and uh, I mean, well, I'll ask you both you guys real quick before I get into it. I feel Ivan might be his best bumping opponent uh, during the Bruno's big runs, you know, not when later on in the eighties, not, uh, I mean, cause he had Piper and Savage who were really good bumpers, but mm-hmm. I mean, I thought Ivan was by far, I think the best bumper he worked with in a regular program. What about, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's fair to say from, especially from this collection. Um, that was one of Koloff's calling cards is bumping. Um, and, and he looked great in this cage match. Um, I would, 
in this collection, uh, I was about to say, you're really underselling Kowalski. No, uh, uh, Patera, pretty good. Yeah, Patera's good there. too. And Graham had some, his, uh, Graham too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we'll get to it. Graham wasn't good at a lot, but Graham was, was good at selling. So, but yeah, but, but Koloff's just, Ivan was, he's a step above. He was one of the guys yeah. who's, as like little, Bruno, as Bruno said later on in the interview with about Billy Graham, he's no Ivan Koloff. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, like I mean, I count myself fortunate that I got to see Ivan Koloff wrestle uh, a bunch of times back in the eighties, at you know, towards the end there with, with you know Nikita and all that shit. And uh, even back then, the guy had he walked by me and he just he had presence. And he was a lot bigger in person than he looked on TV because he was standing next to two giants all the time. Uh, but you just looked at his face, and he had so much wrestling history on it that he'd walk by me, and I'd always be like, "That that that's a guy. That guy's important." Yeah, and we yeah. had the honor of having one of his best, final, greatest interviews. Honestly, oh, of course. Uh, uh, put us over ourselves. But uh, this <laughs> is uh, put ourselves over. <laughs> yeah, this, this this was really interesting. Uh, of course, it's in the cage. And like I said earlier, uh, this is a little foreshadowing because Bruno dominates this match. And it's not just Bruno being selfish. It's a WWF trope for the champ on the blow-off is to dominate, especially cage matches, because they went, they didn't do it where they were teasing escapes throughout, uh, like they would evolve later on in, in life in wrestling here. This was the champ would beat the crap out of his opponent, and then he'd walk out of the cage. <laughs> he'd beat him up so bad he would be able to escape the cage. So it wasn't like it wasn't wasn't like a sneaky way to to get out of the cage. It's no. you dominated your opponent, and you you were you throwed on that night. You were the better man, and you're able to walk out on your own two feet well, while your it, opponent could. Pete, Pete, it's and, and it's honestly because you know me, I don't like escape the cage rules. Never did, but when it's done like that, like you just beat the guy senseless, and then like you can't stop me from walking out because I had to beat you senseless to do it. Fine, I'm good with that, but running away, I hate. Yeah, it's a good way. It's a good way to get your baby face over. I mean, oh yeah, uh, it makes him super strong, which was exactly what helps him sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like Koloff does the Pearl Harbor attacks early. Bruno recovers pretty damn quick, and he puts Ivan in the cage twice, and and it's like you know Ivan takes huge bumps into the cage. Hellacious brawl to start. A third time, Bruno puts him into the cage. You get this really personal feel here. Uh, a boot to the breadbasket allows Ivan to put Bruno in the cage. Bruno reverses it and is back to kicking the crap out of Ivan. Bruno stops and kicks just he, – he, I don't know if anyone has done it better in wrestling. He does them so good and believable. Ivan's just taking a beating. Koloff with a kick to the stomach frees him up enough to climb to the top rope and do a knee drop uh, to the stomach. And uh, we think he gets him down. He's going to do it again, but he isn't able to. Bruno is just taking a lot of this this match. And this is just WWF-style champion dominating the cage. It's a trope. It was a successful booking technique for him to do for, for ages. And it worked here. Uh, Bruno looks super strong by kicking the living crap out of the commie, and he walks out of the cage. Uh, I give it like two and a quarter stars. I mean, bottom line, Bruno just, I mean, just 
annihilated uh, Ivan Koloff here, and uh, uh, it was just it was like a one man beating here. Johnny, huh. uh, I don't know. I, I was enjoying it so much I didn't notice that. But to your point, though, also besides the being a trope, I was sort of looking at it as if they're like, this is the guy who beat Bruno. Now this is Bruno's revenge. So all that pent up frustration, that crowd wanted to see this, you know, after after all these years, you know, they wanted to see Bruno kick the shit out of the guy who, who beat him all those years ago. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just going to go on about some crowd stuff because there's one guy in there with balls and he's a skinny dude. He, he jumps up when Ivan is uh, walking around the ring and he yells, Russian Koloff. As starts chanting Ivan Ivan. He's the only <laughs> one. He's the only one in that arena, I guarantee you. And he's down near ringside. And he's chanting and he's chanting, Ivan. Uh, he's trying to get his attention. He's going, Ivan, 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 Ivan. <laughs> Kola finally turns around. Can you hear this? Kola finally turns around and you see him jump up on his chair and raise his fists up and go, Ah, <laughs> yes, yeah, I noticed that. And I'm like, okay, inadvertently, that started a, a huge New York mob war because, <laughs> see, the, the Guido mob guys who are definitely at ringside uh, took that kid out back and put one in the back of his dome. But he was Russian and he was related to the Russian mob, and that's how he got those seats. And New York was ablaze after this. That's what this match caused. <laughs> <laughs> it should be like a 30 right. for 30. Yeah, and actually, you're right. I actually took this note. I wrote, Bruno just beats him senseless. So apparently I did notice. Uh, <laughs> but he leaves him laying in the turnbuckle after he beats him senseless. He can't get up. He's face down in the turnbuckle. And he's bloody. And Bruno, uh, was Bruno bloody too? I think so. Uh, uh, I don't think he was. Maybe not. Anyway, when he walks out of the cage, he's got a smile on his face. Yeah, yeah. He's smiling at his fans and his crowd. He's like, yep. Yeah. All he needed was to get out of the cage and have one of those old-fashioned punch card things when you punch out of work. And, you know, another day, another dollar. Uh, and then afterwards, yeah, Koloff, he's in the ring. He's swinging at people only he can see. Vince, Vince says, he's like, He's swinging at an imaginary opponent. And and then Vince gets in the perfect line to end this. He's like, the crowd here at Madison Square Garden is some kind of hot. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, that should be the name of his biography. <laughs> <laughs> some kind of hot, the Vincent Kennedy McMahon story. <laughs> it's perfect. Because Vince is, and we'll hear it on a few other uh, matches here, young Vince is fun. And uh, he's a lot of fun on this footage. And that was uh, such a great call at the end of this. This was, yeah, yes, if Bruno's going to dominate a guy, I, the fact that he's dominating a guy who can bump around like a maniac, <laughs> like Ivan Koloff, is a plus. So this was a lot of fun. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I enjoyed it more this time than the first time I saw it. And, you know, like we've talked about, it's it's Bruno's revenge after four years, almost five years. Um Finally, and and they had two previous matches at MSG that that were indecisive. So here you go. Um, you know, it's not going to be a back and forth modern type match, 
Um, it's it's Bruno kicking ass. It was a bit more back and forth than I remembered, though. Um, Koloff, Koloff did. You know, he came off the top with the knee, which was the move that, that defeated, yeah, he... defeated San Martino in 71. So, yeah, so I, I noticed that too. Yeah, so yeah. and that. Bruno's just like, not today. <laughs> no, no, he, he pretty much no sold it. Uh, but that's what the fans wanted to see. They wanted to see San Martino kick his ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, you know. Yeah, well, it felt like more like that. Bruno was almost like the heel, and like Ivan got <laughs> sprinkled in. Like, what? Oh, come on. And, and, no, no, you know, no, not. I'm not saying he was a heel here. I'm talking about how the match was structured. Where it felt like Bruno felt like he was a heel who was eating up Ivan and he was sprinkling in hope spots here and there. That's what it felt so, like. So, so yeah, but, oh, Ivan is, only, but Ivan's not the baby face. So, yeah, oh, but only if Ivan was only if Ivan was acting like Ricky Morton would that. He's understand, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he wasn't very sympathetic. Um, okay, well, I will tell you this though. To your point, you just said they did two others. That is called not shooting your wife. Because people wanted to see Bruno get his hands on him for five years, like you said. No, they, and Vince, Vince Senior. No, we're still running three at the Garden, and that just must have all the anticipation to see it, and then two matches in a row with no definitive finish. People were just, instead of angry, you know, they just were at the boiling point, and the perfect booking was this, you know, for to build that. That you know, that that's Vince Senior showing some uh, fucking smarts. Oh, totally. I mean, this Koloff is red hot coming in. Of course, you go three matches with these guys. And this match was like the the end of the play. This was the third act. The previous two matches would have saw Bruno get, I, I know in one, he's, he's bloodied pretty bad. And I think the match was stopped because Bruno was uh, too bloody to continue. Um, so he definitely took some t- took some beatings in this series. So this match was basically the comeback at the end. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something, it's not an all-time classic Bruno match or an all-time classic 70s match, but it, it's pretty cool. Like, the atmosphere is, is incredible. It's the first cage match at MSG. It's historically important. Um, it's the end of the, the long rivalry. Um, well, they would continue it on over the years off and on, but kind of the end. Um, I gave it three stars. I thought, you know, the atmosphere was, was great. Um, it was a big win. One of Bruno's like signature victories, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not an all time classic match or anything. Anyway, so now we go on not oh, actually just a couple months later, um, March the 1st, 1976. And we see, uh, an old friend, uh, the big cat of Harlem, <laughs> <laughs> who uh we we he, well the one episode of course was um the black history month titans that we did <laughs> where we devoted quite a bit of time to ernie ladd um and, and it was from this run it was from his 1976 run in uh new york where he had that famous uh interview with vince where he called boba brazil and uncle tom <laughs> uh, Yo, Mr. Announcer Man, you don't like me talking this way? Then you shut me up, Mr. Announcer Man. <laughs> the look cool on, motherfucker. Yeah, cool so, motherfucker. So cool. Uh, the look on Vince Jr.'s face during that promo is just classic. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know you want to hit me. Um, so, yeah, Lad, of course, was a big time main eventer at this point um, all over North America. Um, 
And he actually, the first time he had a heel run, I believe, was in 1968 against Bruno at MSG. Um, so he had a prior history here. And um, the, the visual matchup between these two is amazing because Lad just towers over Bruno. Um, mm-hmm. So that was neat to see. Um, Pete, what did you think of this match? I found this really fascinating. This is kind of what I was hinting at earlier by listening to the crowd here. Um, and I'll explain that in a little bit more detail as I'm talking about it. Uh, Lad is just like a total monster here next to Bruno, where Bruno looks really small, which is unheard, un, just unthinkable mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, we get this nice arm drag by Bruno to start, and Lad's working a bear hug while also using his head for more pressure. Really cool stuff. I liked Lad concealing uh, the choke from the ref. And this is where I started listening, and it's like, whoa, um, it's not getting over with the crowd. And, like, down south, that would have gotten, like, a ton of heat. Here, they just kind of mumble a little bit, or they get angry for a second and then calm down. Uh, and then Bruno on a comeback firing off shots, and, and Bruno with those kicks. And the crowd's going nuts here, where it felt like a boxing crowd where the heavyweight champ is every time he's on offense, they get behind him, but they weren't eating. They weren't buying lads, uh, work here. No. And it would, but if it was like down South, they, I think they would have been going, they would have been nuclear. Cause this is Southern. He's working Southern style here. Oh, wow. Uh, I think there's some other reasons. <laughs> it could have been the it could have been the African American thing. Uh, but they do pop. Like, they do pop when he uses his foreign object. So yeah, again, it's the only time, long, but not really long again. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I love again. Bruno throws those great kicks, and then we see Ernie Ladd throws the big thumb to the throat that stops Bruno cold. Again, in the South, I feel like that heat would have gone been nuclear here. And kind of like, you know, like agitated him for a second or two, but it's back to business again. Uh, and it's clearly, it's like a boxing crowd here, but, uh, they, but like they react to Bruno's flurries all the time, but Lad was having problems getting heat. And in a, in a, in a, in a, and I think in a Southern atmosphere, uh, he would have gotten a ton of heat here. Um, uh, but it didn't work. It didn't translate here in the garden. And I, and the more I was watching the garden matches, they kind of really, uh, React to Bruno kind of like a like a, a, a like a prize fighter in a way, and it might be because yeah. you know it's a more uh, you know not a, a blue collar, more of a white collar uh, crowd. I mean, there's plenty of blue collar guys in New York, yeah. but it's a little bit more. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to get with? Uh, well, well, he's 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 more like he's he's more like Rocky Marciano. He never fucking yeah. loses, and everyone just wants to be. You know, they don't care who he's fighting. You know, if they do, but you know, sometimes they don't care. You know, they they yeah. there to cheer for Rocky Marciano. Yeah, and it feels like they're here. They, they believe wrestling's uh, real, but then they, they believe Bruno's the champ, and it's kind of yeah, they, they're reacting to him like he's the heavyweight champion of the world, which you know he is. But it, it felt like a, a a crowd reacting to a boxing match as opposed to uh, uh, a, 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 a wrestling match. I found it really interesting. And I give it like star and three fourths, but they just weren't buying uh, Lad's uh, work. Like I felt that he was working too southern for this crowd. Who, you know, I don't think like I don't think Jerry Lawler uh, would have a problem getting over to with his southern style of work. I think it was a uh, that's why it was a big man's territory. 
and it was like a you know big man brawling type of territory. And when you try to do like cheating, it works, but it just for here it just it didn't translate for him off the page. Johnny, what did you think? And well, I I wasn't really noticing all that because I but I was just absorbed in the match and taking notes. But I think, do you think maybe it could be to the point of? For the heel to be getting heat, the crowd has to buy him as a legitimate threat. And even the the person in there who thinks this is real knows there's no way in hell there's going to be a black world champion at all. And they just know, you know. So you get the, the style of work as well. But there's also that play in there. No one in there is thinking, like, yeah, no. Because they know. Everyone there knows it wasn't going to happen. I think that that's possibly a... a Something in there with the crowd, probably an unspoken thing, but it kept people nudging themselves going, you know, Bruno's winning this, right? Uh, but forget that. Ernie Ladd comes in. He's a cool motherfucker, and he's King Ernie Ladd. Mm-hmm. You, know, he, you know, he's not wearing a crown or anything. He's just got a cool denim jacket, you know, and he looks badass. And, and then something happened that I think explains something. On the screen... Uh, the, the the graphic said for the the, the title of the match for the, no, the the match was called the WWF Championship Belt and young Vince looked at that and saw that that looked shitty in that graphic and he's had a problem with belt ever since it's championship mm-hmm. not belt and this is why because this graphic was fucked up and he noticed it and he goes when I'm in charge no more fucking belts and then Vince basically says about Ernie Ladd that he's doing all he's cheating and doing whatever he can because he's he's Vince is basically saying he's lucky he got this. That's why he's desperate because he's if he doesn't uh, do well here he's not getting another one. It was the gist of what he was saying at one point. I'm like Jesus, <laughs> Ernie Ladd has a point <laughs> about you people up here and you keeping the man down. And and I wrote down how smart that trunk pulling thing was. I love that move. I think that maybe outsmarted them all. Like that that's a smart move. Nobody does shit like that up here. You know? I'm getting yelled at for pulling his trunks, so the referee's yelling yelling at me about something I'm not gonna get disqualified for so I can choke him over here. That's brilliant. Uh and so was his his foreign object is a just a tape, you know, rolled up piece of tape and he puts it on his thumb. And he's doing it in and out. But it's very small. It only covered the tip of his thumb. And I was like, oh, that's smarter. You know, a small foreign object, it's metal. But also on Ernie Land's part, he knows he doesn't need to put on a giant Bob Orton cast for people in the cheap seats to see it. He's black. He just puts a little one on and everyone can see the white against his skin. And therefore, he can have a foreign object that doesn't look ridiculous. It's a, I think I was thinking more about like Ernie Ladd is a really smart worker <laughs> here, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. And Vince calling the finish in the the, the slow motion replay. I didn't even take the notes, mm-hmm. but it's a work of art. It, it's fantastic. Uh, if it's if you know the match doesn't do it for you, stick around for Vince McMahon calling uh, calling the, the the replay at the end. It's great. 
Yeah, the the mist, huge mist splash by Lad off the top rope <laughs> in slow motion with Bruno rolling away like the instant that um, Lad got to the top rope, basically. <laughs> but anyway. <Yeah. laughs> um, well, I want to go back to Pete's uh, point about why this match didn't get over with the MSG crowd. And I think the the Southern style of work by Lad definitely probably played a part in it. Um, another thing is that this match came off the heels of three straight with Koloff and then two straight with superstar Billy Graham when Graham was just new to New York and was super hot. And those, those, all of those were sellouts and that, that's some pretty, uh, you know, heavy opposition there. So I think Ladd maybe paled in comparison. Plus Ladd had done, um, a run in the late sixties in New York, he'd also done a run when Pedro was champion. So the fans had seen Lad fail before, and I just I don't think they bought him. And I don't think it had anything uh, with him being black to do with him being black. I just don't think they bought him as a as a legitimate threat in, at a time when that mattered, you know. Um, but Canada, Canada is such a nice place. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe there was but, some of that too. But the style, I think, had something to do with it. Because oh, definitely, yeah. I think the normally, style. Normally, normally, you know, like Johnny said, Bruno was more than punch kick, but his bread and butter was punch kick, and uh, and it was about wild brawls or big heated up, you know, taking up bloody fights. Uh, and with this, that wasn't this match. This is more. There's a lot more subtleness to it. And I think that had something to do with it too. Yeah, but I, yeah, I just don't think the fans that bought Lad as a as a threat at all. Like they bought Koloff as a threat because obviously he'd beaten Bruno. Um, they bought Graham as a threat because Graham was fresh. Graham was. I mean, undefeated. it's hard, to, hard, but it, I mean, I, I get what you're getting at. But I mean, freaking a, Ernie Lad six foot seven. How can you not buy him as a threat? Um, so I mean, the guy is six foot seven. I think they I think they didn't buy him as a threat because. He didn't work the WWF style on top. He worked the the Southern Hill uh, shtick, and it well, didn't, I, I, it didn't I, translate I, with this crowd who was who was a little bit more uh, more uh, cultured than than like a Southern crowd. Right. You said it, not me. Yeah. Um, I'm kidding. Trust me, there's nothing cultured about the Philadelphia crowd. Um, I think we can all just agree there's probably a combination of all three of our points. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. That's what I was going to say. But um, to the match, I thought this was okay. Uh, it was pretty short. Uh, Bruno looked great in it. Like, I, I loved his punches. I loved his fire. Another great comeback. Um, he sold the thumb to the throat spot awesomely. Um, really made that seem like, like that was just a killing move, like a move that would just destroy you. Um, I think Bruno bladed his ear in this match, um, <laughs> which is awesome. Like he, he blades his arm a few times over the years. Um, he, the, like Bruno was, is innovative with the, with the blade. He was like, well, you know, any, any schmoke can blade the forehead mm-hmm. and get over. Watch, I'm going to blade my ear. And mm-hmm. it's going to get over with the crowd. Hey, that's not what he told Tom Seaver. <laughs> you know, Tom, <laughs> other guys might cut themselves with razor blades, but I never went for any of that. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All evidence to the contrary, of course. Um, yeah, I, I gave it two stars. Um, it wasn't much, really, um, in the grand scheme of things. I loved the visual matchup, like I, like I said at the, at the beginning. But anyway... So now let's see where are we going to next? 
They're going to well uh, on the collection. The next uh, match is uh, against Stan Hansen in a cage. Um, I decided I made the call to skip this one because we already looked at a cage match with Koloff, and and thought we didn't need to do another. Um, Pete, I know you've seen the Hansen cage before. Johnny, have you ever seen the Hansen cage? Um, I think I might have. I, I love that you, you're, you're, you're purposely trying to piss off the smart. So we're, we're not going to talk about Stan Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all that. Here's Georgie Animal Steel, stupid. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but real quick, they do a little bit where he talks about Stan Hansen yeah. uh, in the interview segment. And he, at this, at this age, he's completely forgiven anything. And he's got his own theory. He's like, I think his first time up in the big leagues, you know, he was nervous. And, you know, we were hot and sweaty and he's nervous. And, you know, if you look at the way he picked me up for a, a body slam, that he goes, it was like wonky. And they showed it again. And for the first time, I realized, I'm like, oh, right, it's wrong. Yeah. The body slam was wrong. You know, he didn't grab him correctly. And he so therefore he dropped him. I'm like, ah, and the bird was kind of just like, well, you know, it was good for him. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, made that, him in New York. He was that's it. He goes for his career. Yeah, you know that he became the man who broke Bruno San Martino's fucking neck. You know, and uh, he's Bruno's at an age where he could probably just look at everything and go, you know, life's been good. You know, maybe it was this. He goes, and then he says, because he's so honest. He says, I've asked Stan about that last time I saw him. And he said, I don't think I was nervous, but you know, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, he's it, he's so forgiving. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he wasn't forgiving when it happened. Probably not. Um, that's a cool match, actually. The match where um, Hanson breaks San Martino's neck. Um, it's not in full anywhere, and I think I think it's like what about ten minutes they show. Yeah, and I think it cuts in after the body slam. But yeah. I mean, there is footage of the actual body slam out there, like mm. it's on the the collection here. But yeah. the match itself cuts in after that. And it's amazing because Bruno's already broken his fucking neck. And uh-huh. he's still going toe-to-toe with Hanson. He blades. He does his fiery comeback. The crowd goes crazy. They have a pull-apart brawl at the end. And he, well, he says it. He says he goes, and as soon as I fell down, I knew I broke my neck. And, and then like, then I had to get back to work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He wrestled for another 8 <laughs> to 10 then, minutes. Then, yeah, then I have another 8 to 10 minutes to go. And... Uh, <laughs> Not an easy. We're not sitting in a headlock here. No, and they didn't call. He didn't um, call an audible and, and take it home early. He, they yeah. did the the planned finish, um, which is crazy. Because then it he was is. on the shelf for a couple months. And like that, he, he was only on the shelf for a couple months. Is crazy because he came back. They had a match at the Shea Stadium show in '76. Was the actual revenge match where um, Bruno couldn't really do much, and I don't think they did a lot. And basically, Hanson just ran off. And got yeah, that, but that and it wasn't was that the one that was to sell uh, the Inoki Ali yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah, and they brought Bruno back early because the, the the advance for the Shea show was tanking with uh, yeah. with Ali and Inoki being advertised, and well, then you had Andre and Chuck Wepner also live at Shea, which Johnny and I watched last year and turned out to be an awesome fucking match. Uh, yeah, but nobody was buying a ticket to see Andre fight Chuck Wepner. No. And, uh, and and nor was anyone in New York giving a fine fuck about Antonio Inoki as far as wrestling fans went. So they were just, they were just like Bruno, we need you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll have Stan. That's why when people complain about that match, they go, all Stan has to do was run away. I'm like, that's 
That's all they could do. They had to sell this thing. It was going to be a. They were going to take a huge bath. Yeah, and they drew thirty-two thousand, which was the the largest crowd for wrestling since the O'Connor uh, Rogers Comiskey Park match yeah. in '61. It, it was a huge it, success. It, yeah, and they weren't there for Ali. I'm sorry, no. they were there for no. Oh, exactly, and that was like the headline in the paper. Yeah, the headline in the paper next day was that they came to see Bruno. You know, they oh really? Was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because, like, well, of course, the press shit all over the Ali and Oki. Oh, yeah. Fight. Oh, right, right, right. Huge fiasco. But, no, like, everyone knew that the the, the house at, at Shea was drawn for Bruno and for the, the revenge against Hanson. Um, so here we have the cage match blow off on the collection. And it's much the same as the match against Koloff, from what I recall. Um Maybe even more lopsided. What did you think, Pete? I think this one's even more of a lopsided ass-kicking in Bruno's favor. The, the standing match? Yeah, the Hanson cage. Um, it's close. I, I, I haven't watched it in a while, but I, I remember I remember liking the Hanson match a slightly a little bit more. Uh, but, yeah, it was definitely another uh, Bruno kicking the living crap out of Hanson uh, blow-off, which, again, it's I mean, it's clearly that's how they, they – position the champ like that and you i mean if you got to come back every single uh, uh night uh, there's a reason why you got to keep your champion uh, uh you know strong the grow at the drop yeah every single you know night in the garden on the road yeah. i mean people complain like nowadays about uh Cody Rhodes not doing jobs on the indies and stuff, but you know what? He's a guy who can come in and he's able to pop uh, a crowd. So why do you want to keep kill somebody who can double your attendance just by being on the show? Uh, so yeah. I think with that, it's like you kept your champion strong. Uh, it's smart business sense. Oh, for sure. No, the, the champion, and this was the same for the NWA at the time. The, the blow off match always saw the champion, you know, have a definitive victory. Um, and then move on to the next challenge. You know, you didn't leave any doubt that uh, the better man um, won the well, match. Well, it depended on if it was a heel touring, you know, because right. Well, I guess Harley I was thinking more. got away with a bunch of bullshit. Right. Well, I was thinking more of like the Dory Funk Jr. Uh, Jack Frisco uh-huh. days, more so than uh, the later heel, heel champ. Um, anyway, so now um, I think we'll do one more match and then we'll take a break. Um, and this is a big one. Because this is one of the matches, one of the two matches that were basically unseen. This one aired at the time uh, in 1977 on HBO. Um, I'm not sure if the MSG Network was out at that time. But after uh, after that airing, or maybe this didn't even... Actually, I don't think this actually aired on the MSG Network. Had no Network. commentary. Did That's it? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. No commentary. So it didn't air on HBO. Um, Yo, by the way, no commentary as... They kept having to put a scroll yeah. underneath it to tell to tell people who are too stupid or calling their cable company. Go, There's no fucking announcement. No, it's like yeah, the poor modern viewer. Oh, you know, yeah. you can't survive without commentary. And they, it was like a a warning for like you know an invasion. To remind you, <laughs> just you're safe. You're okay. There's just no commentary for this match. You'll you'll be all right. Don't start don't start pushing all the buttons on your Roku thinking there's something wrong. But I think maybe um, when they did the shows at the Felt Forum, they they had to tape them, right? Because they'd, they'd be a closed circuit there. So maybe that that was how we get footage like this. Because I think it's this was possible. Dumb- it, it's possible, real quick, and I know a reason why. Um, 
when you're doing a broadcast like that, and even back then, a copy exists. It's whether or not they wipe it. Because I go to concerts where there was stuff up on you know the screen, yeah. and you know they're supposed to wipe it right away, and suddenly you'd find it getting leaked. Yeah. You know, it was Grateful Dead stuff, yeah. and so so the copy exists momentarily. Yeah, so this one, got it. yeah, I think this is one that slipped between the cracks and made it out there somehow or survived from like a double sellout. Um, that's my guess. Uh, so this was the third match in a three match series. Um, first in January, they did uh, I think Bruno losing by count out to Patera. Second match was the Texas Death match. And it ended with the referee being knocked unconscious. And with so no decision was rendered in a Texas death match. Great booking. And so now here you go. Here's the logical third match in the series. The referee wasn't good enough. Like a regular New York Athletic Commission ref, pussy, couldn't handle a Texas death match. So we're going to bring in Gorilla Monsoon wearing, <laughs> wearing a gigantic bow tie. <laughs> It was absolutely glorious. I mean, it was, it was so over the top. Dude, dude, I'm going to say it right now. Apparently, Gorilla shops at Melons Big and Tall. <laughs> it's great. And um, they'd done the Gorilla as guest ref um, uh, a couple times at least. Well, once for um, one of the Koloff matches, actually, uh, the one right before the cage match. Uh, Gorilla. Oh, well, we got it twice on this set. Yeah, and then another one coming up. Like So Gorilla was... Was was uh, used quite often as a reference. He looks like a giant Ralph Cramden. <laughs> uh, he looks amazing. Um, so this is super exciting. You got Bruno against one of uh, the better workers that he would face in this era. Patera was awesome. Right at the beginning of his uh, heel run here, uh, where he just looks magnificent. He's got awesome sideburns. Um, just yeah, that are different than different than his blonde uh, curls, you know. Oh, it's mm-hmm. really unique looking. Yeah, he just looks like such a star here, like so confident, you know, awesome. Anyway, Pete, uh, take it away on this one. Yeah, this is fantastic. I mean, we have Monsoon as your special ref. He has this like incredible referee outfit that <laughs> that I it just it, you got to see it to believe it. Um, Patera, without the wizard, almost feels kind of weird. I kind of miss the wizard taking his pants off him. Yeah. But you have this, like, actually this, this actually this gangster-looking, uh, or or this uh, Lou Albano looks like yeah. he's straight off the cribbage game because it looks like he's, <laughs> uh, he has the hair slicked back. He looks, he looks yeah. like in good shape for, for Albano. Yeah. Um, but this is awesome. Like And like you were saying, Patera looks like a star. Of course, the crowd loves Bruno. Patera comes across as a star. Um, the crowd is really amped for this. You can really feel this yeah. uh, current in the uh, air. Uh, we get a brawl to start, and Bruno's all over Patera, and Patera takes the powder, and he's trying to slow down Bruno, so he's on his bicycle. Some back and forth, and Patera again takes the powder. You see Patera start working the neck, and this all makes sense as it softens uh, softens it up for his finisher, the swinging neckbreaker. A big, uh, nice, another one of them Bruno kicks stuns Patera, and I think Bruno just throws those beautiful kicks. A more Patera on the neck, and Patera starts working the bear hug. 
you see the slugfest between the two, and Bruno starts working the back. A bunch of knees he throws to the back, and now a camel clutch. Um, putting pressure on the back, then he delivers some more knees to the back and a and a standing hand axe handle. A big bear hug is a nice little revenge spot uh, that pops the crowd by Bruno. Patera with punches and an eye rake escapes. Bruno still focusing on the back. Patera teases the swinging neck breaker, but Patera, but Bruno runs like he's like. Like they call him for dinner to get the hell away from that swinging mm-hmm. net breaker. Patera takes a header and he's bleeding, and Bruno's after the cut. Wow, crowd is just wild. Patera is punched drunk in a bloody mess. Monsoon waves it off. Great match. I thought it was three and three fourths. I absolutely love this match. It uh, it hit. It checked all the boxes. It was uh, just a classic Bruno uh, uh, title defense. Yeah. Johnny, what do you think? Okay, well, yeah, number one, the match was fantastic. Uh, my notes are going loopy because this was so much fun. Patera is like an evil, like Midwest white Bruno and young. Here. <laughs> yeah, you know, Bruno did it all the right way, you know, and a guy like Patera who's got all the potential in the world and he's an athlete, but everything was handed to him in life. And when he failed at it, he resorts to cheating, you know, you know, and Bruno represents the, yeah, you know, it's the political theme I keep going back to. It's in my head and I just, I can't help but see it. Um, yeah, gorilla's outfit, of course, Pete. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> His shirt is so big. Kids used to use it as a parachute in gym class and you had to do that as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here you got Arnold Skoland and undecided. He represents conformity and the man. And over here is Lou Albano, and he's not looking ridiculous. He's looking pretty good. And Lou represents chaos. Yeah. And they're just polar opposites. And I was like, I always sided with Lou. <laughs> like, you know, he's all straight. Uh, and while uh is taking off his uh his onesie, uh you start hearing people doing wolf whistles, <laughs> you know, like I can't whistle, but you know, wolf whistles. Yeah. And he does a he does a slow burn. Yeah. He doesn't get mad or point at the crowd. He just does a s- slow burn look, and it's great. Patera's I love Patera, um, but holy shit, Monsoon as referee. What is it? Dan Shockett was right. They. Totally corrupt. Totally corrupt. You got Bruno. The referee's one of his boys. Everyone knows that Monsoon's one of his boys. This is like (laughs) Tessio being the referee of Sonny Corleone beating up Carlo Rizzi. You know, (laughs) you know know how this is going to end. These, you know, these Italians from the. Come on. Uh, (laughs) And. (laughs) But what also struck me is I remember when I watched, like, stuff in the 80s uh, from the prism or in MSG and you guys have heard this when Monsoon was on commentary he always called Ken Patera Kenny so, yeah Kenny should know better or Kenny this I was like that's a, a strange nice way to talk about a heel you know when Monsoon never did that with any other heel and I think it's because Patera is one of the old school guys too you know, we remember him from that '80s run, but he was a, he was bouncing around with these guys, mm-hmm. and it was friends with these guys. And uh, you think that's probably Monsoon? I'm, I don't know if, if he had a choice in who um, got to be his retirement guy. who retired him, 
but if he did, I'm sure he would have picked Capitera. You know, he thought very highly of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, so, and that just occurred to me too. I'm just like, oh yeah, he's Patera's not so much an eight. A, a rock and wrestling 80s guy, even though that's what most people remember. He was a 70s dude with all these guys. So, you know, it, it was just think about how friendly Monsoon always was with him. And I can never figure out why, and it just occurred to me uh, while I was watching this. Yes, and of course, the match is fucking tremendous. And, and Bruno is wearing a big wig. <laughs> yeah. Because this is at the point where he needs to appeal to the youth. You know, so like, you know, the youth like long hair, you know. But he's going to have a fro like he's Mike Brady in the later, uh, later seasons of the Brady match. You know, it's all lies, lies and hair glue. Lou Albano represents the truth, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, that's a great take. Um, yeah, I love this. I mean, I was so pleased by it because it was new, fresh match, not seen before, and it, it delivered. The crowd was just epic. So hot. Um, all like nonstop. They were, they were on their feet the whole match, chanting, counting along with the counts when um, Patera was outside. Uh, just really into this one. Uh, Monsoon, you know, great. He loses his tie at one point. <laughs> he got so into it. I think he had to take it mm-hmm. off. He was. Uh, oh no! In that giant, that giant white shirt got covered in blood. Yeah. And it made for an amazing visual. Yeah, yeah, we'll see that a few times. Um, yeah, Patera, great bloody finish with him. Um, and it, it protected Patera totally. Like he didn't, Bruno didn't get a decisive pin on him. It's a blood stoppage finish. Um, you could bring Patera back. Uh, they must have really saw a lot in Patera because he went three with Bruno and then walked mm-hmm. away, walked away without getting pinned in the final match. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I really like this. All the things that Pete said about the working the neck, working the back, the bear hug. Um, great stuff there. I went four stars on it. Uh, I thought this was uh, one of the probably one of the best matches we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, it was really, really good. And Gorilla was really great in his role, too, as the ref. Mm-hmm. It was just a very entertaining spectacle, this. Um, and, and the commentary, you don't even miss it. It's just... You know, you're so into it. Yep. Okay. I think uh, we'll take a break now. And we get when we get back, we got more, a little more 70s Bruno to talk about. And then we're going, nice. into, the, going into 80s Bruno. Oh, yeah. Where, where, remind me, even though I've done it a million times, I think it's appropriate. I want to share my Bruno story uh, about my mom. Oh, of course. <laughs> to teaser everyone for something you've heard before. Or maybe not. <laughs> Probably, I think so. Yes. Yeah, if you're telling the story, Johnny, I damn well guarantee we've heard it before. <laughs> All right, folks, um, check out some ads from uh, Place to Be Nation, Pro Wrestling Only, and we'll be right back. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, Pro Wrestling announcer Kevin Kelly here. I want to make sure you are all subscribed. To all the great feeds here at Place to Be Nation, it's really easy to do. Just head to iTunes or your preferred podcatcher app today and search and subscribe to the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, which, of course, includes the full archives of The Kevin Kelly Show, the Place to Be Nation pod feed, and the Pro Wrestling Only feed. Subscribe, listen, and then rate us and leave feedback today. And be sure to give Justin your true thoughts. I mean, don't hold back, after all. 
he is kind of a jerk. Just listen to Scott. Place to be nations, JT Rosero here, and I want to let you know that we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and PlaceVation.com, and we now offer them to you on two great feeds. On the Place to be Nation wrestling feed, you can check out Scott Criscolo and me on the Mothership, the Place to be podcast with our famous Vintage Vault pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current day wrestling with clotheslines and headlines, main event, Lucha Afterground, and our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows, and we leave wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by Ben Morse. The Our Vantage Point podcast, which features a potpourri-style look at wrestling history. And Survey Says, a fun look back at the good, bad, and ugly of WCW. And on our very popular Place Nation Pop podcast feed, we offer such great shows as the Glenn Butler podcast, Our Spectacular, Rank and File, PTBN Dadcast, NBA Team, and Lucha Undead, as well as a veritable podcast heaven for comics fans with hard-traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversations, Geek and Sassy, and the Imaginary Stories. You can find all these current shows plus archives of our past podcasts, including The Kevin Kelly Show, as well by subscribing to both feeds on iTunes. And while there, be sure to rate and leave feedback as well. All these shows plus others available at PlaceVation.com, where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments, and more. Be sure to support our site by using PlaceVation.com backslash Amazon when doing your online shopping. And download our free PTB Vintage Vault Refresh eBooks via the links on our site. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, The History of Wrestling and Scott Key's blog of doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaceToBeNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. The Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Subscribe on iTunes or on Android with your favorite podcast app. Established in 2013, the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network is committed to providing unique takes on the rich and diverse medium of professional wrestling, focusing on its history and global impact, but also exploring the vibrant contemporary scene. The roll call includes Space City, an NWA on-demand podcast. This Week in Wrestling. Stacey Elliott's Bogus Journey. The Super Apoitas podcast. The Military Industrial Suplex. Strong Style History, Pure Puri, and Psychology is Dead. Also, from the archives, the full catalog of great shows that provided a fresh look at classic wrestling, including Where the Big Boys Play, Titans of Wrestling, Tag Teams Back Again, Letters from Kayfabe, Wrestling Culture, Pro Wrestling Super Show, Goodwill Wrestling, and many, many others. Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Only the best. Okay, welcome back. Um, yeah, well, we've had a great time so far talking about Bruno and his uh, many uh, battles, mostly at Madison Square Garden. And we are going to continue with that, and we're going to continue with uh, the year 1977. Um, so next up is superstar Billy Graham, uh, one of Bruno's greatest opponents, most famous opponents, the man who ended his second reign in April 1977 in Baltimore, of all places, which the story goes, they didn't want to do it at MSG, of course, for, you know, the fear of a riot, um, I guess would have been maybe the biggest reason, um, or any of the other strongholds like Boston or Philly, right? They didn't hold it there. <laughs> um, too many people cheering for Graham. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, interesting that they had it uh, in Baltimore. 
which um, was, you know, a, a big city for them. Um, and, and they did quite well there, but it wasn't uh, one of the big three cities. Um, but, and that match was filmed um, and it's on this collection. Um, I've seen it countless times over the years. It was, um, it was on that Coliseum home video tape that I brought up earlier from the eighties. They definitely had probably not the whole match. Of course, they would always clip everything up, but they had uh, parts of it on that. And, um, as a kid, I thought that was so cool because you saw the pictures in the after mags and they're talking about all these matches in the seventies and stuff. And then to finally see it, it was cool. Um, I take it you guys have seen the uh, title switch before. Yeah. Cause it was on the Billy Graham DVD. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been on numerous yeah. collections over the years. Um, pretty hot crowd. Of course, uh, Graham tells the story of how he, you know, on the way back, to the dressing room he was just you know all he was concerned with was like you know not being stabbed or whatever and then and, and surviving um he was hit with you know all kinds of stuff going back to the dressing room i think he had to punch a few fans to uh to make it back uh just i couldn't imagine what that happened like being there that night like bruno losing which had only happened in new york in 1971 right just you can't it just Today's wrestling, you can't compare because nobody ever goes that long without losing a match. It's just crazy. Well, you know what? I'm sure with some of those rowdy fans, he had to use this foot. <laughs> this foot. <laughs> That's still my favorite My favorite fuck, uh, wrestler who's fucked up promo I've ever seen. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Graham has the belt now um, would be a big success in his 10 months as champion. Um, we have a bit here with Bruno talking about superstar Graham that was uh, referenced already. How he Bruno says, well, he was no Ivan Koloff, but um, he put over Billy pretty, pretty strong. Uh, Bruno did in this piece. What did you think of it, Johnny? Yeah, it, it, he did. I think a lot of it, I hate to play armchair psychologist, but a lot of it is, you know, Billy's been up and down with, you know, drugs and crazy accusations and this and that and all over the place. And I think Bruno just probably just feels bad for the guy, you know, and he's he's, he's going to throw in. He's like, yeah, he wasn't any Ivan Cole. <laughs> Which was, yeah. Subtle dig. I like that. Yeah, subtle, you know. But, yeah. but again, Ivan Cole was a superstar Billy Graham. Okay. Because when him and the wizard entered that ring here, I'm like, these are the two coolest motherfuckers to ever be in this fucking federation up until this point, at least in my opinion. Oh, totally, yeah. And him and Bruno just clicked together. Like, it was a magical, you know, partnership here. Um, they made money hand over fist for years um, running these matches. Uh, Pete, any thoughts on the, the Bruno clip on Graham? Yeah, you can tell he liked Billy. Uh, yeah, I'm with Johnny. Kind of, you know, felt a little sorry for him. But you know, I, I love the comparison. Yeah, we drew. You know, he drew money, but he's no Ivan Koloff type stuff when it comes to working. I, right. I, I, I got a chuckle out of <laughs> out of that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Billy Graham. I mean, he's just, it's this historic con. You never know if he's in the good graces of the company or the bad graces. I mean, years ago he was in the Hall of Fame, and right. Then, a couple years later, he's 
pissing back, pissing on Vince again. So I have no idea where they're at right now. But, uh, I, you know, I, it's always cool hearing guys talk about their opponents who they who wrestled. And, and, you know, you tell uh, Bruno has a place. Uh, he has time for Billy Graham. Yeah. And what's funny with the comparisons to Koloff is that Graham and Koloff actually were a tag team for quite a long time in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, huge, huge money. Yeah, huge money. AWA and even uh, in '76 in the WWWF, they uh, worked together too when Koloff was uh, uh, ending his run there and, and Graham was there. So yeah. Yeah, and like Graham. I mean, you can even compare it. He was like Jesse Ventura to uh, oh, Koloff's Adrian Adonis in a way. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Meltzer's made that comparison that they were like the East-West hmm. uh, connection before the East-West connection, and much more successful as far as like drawing houses uh, was uh, really far east. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but still East-West. Um, Anyway, so the next match we're going to look at is, it's also uh, Bruno against Superstar. It's back in uh, the friendly confines of Madison Square Garden. This was, so Bruno lost in uh, April uh, in Baltimore. They came back to MSG in July for a rematch. And that match is actually on the network too. It's The whole card is, it's um, the July 77 MSG card. And that's a really cool match. Like, the crowd is just nuclear hot. Because this was Bruno coming back for revenge against Graham, the champion. Is that the match with the, uh, where they do the, the reversals of the full Nelsons? Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I love those, yeah. Yeah, and it's also a rare match where Bruno has a mustache. So uh, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. really? Yeah, he does. Hmm. <laughs> he experimented a few times uh, over the years. With I'm trying to keep it hip with the kids. Yeah, it's also, yeah, it's, it's also on the MSG DVD. I know that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's out there. Um, I know Bruno and Superstar call it like like the most heated match either was ever in in their careers, where they they were like yelling spots at each other in the ring because uh, of the crowd was so loud and, and, and you know, the crowd couldn't even tell they were calling spots. Um, so we're going to get, uh, we're going to look at the rematch, uh, August 1st, 1977. This was, wow. This was the summer of 77. It was like new, really hot, like a heat wave in New York. You had the son of Sam, mm-hmm. uh, going on. I didn't, he get finally captured at some point in the summer, I believe. I, I don't recall, but it just, I mean, Spike Lee made a movie about this. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. It, it's, and I remember it being like in Jersey in a nice small town, but our news all came from either Philly or New York. <laughs> so I remember all this shit and looking out my window and being like, thank God I'm here. Yeah. You know, Cause it's 77, but you also had like the stuff with the Yankees. Yeah. It was a huge year for New York City. Huge year. Um, Star Wars came out earlier. Star Wars, yeah. Yep. Um, Elvis would die a couple weeks mm-hmm. after this match. And lastly. The Yankees, did they win the World Series? Yeah, yeah. Yankees won the World Series. Uh, that was the first of back-to-back with Reggie and, and the Bronx Zoo uh, gang. But most importantly, on July 27th, 1977, I was born. So that, oh, no. that's the topper on on 1977 in the summer of so I was four five days four or five days old when this match happened. So we get a we're all talking New York history and then Kelly <laughs> a Canadian's born. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it'll be important uh, when I die. 
Um, his doctor was Dr. X. This is actually a picture of his obstetrician. <laughs> of his obstetrician. Yeah. That's the first thing he saw coming out of the womb. Yeah. And he spanked him. <laughs> All right. So this match was also on Coliseum Home Videos. Um, I believe with actually Gorilla Monsoon doing the commentary, like dubbed over commentary, <laughs> which is funny because he's the referee in this match. So um, yeah, I guarantee he didn't get on the ref's case. When I was, was gonna say no, no, no. Did, did he yell? Did he yell at himself? I think he even he does at one point do like a sort of like a tongue in cheek sort of you know oh yeah well I, I should have known better to do that he, me yeah he does I think he does do something like that. Um, so it's rare to see the 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 original version of this full version, uh, which we have here with uh, Vince McMahon uh, Jr. on commentary, and wow. This one, we got another, you know, just crazy nuclear MSG crowd. Epic Clash of the Titans here. Pete, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I always compared Bruno and, and uh, not Matthew, Billy, uh, Billy Graham. Um, always reminded me of a of kind of like the Warrior versus Ultimate Warrior versus Hogan. Yeah. With that compared. type of vibe to it. Yeah. Where it was like the Clash, like you said, Clash of the Titans. Uh, even though Billy Graham is a, a heel, I, I always I just felt very similar, and and, and the matches kind of felt structurally like that too, uh, where it again it's like big time, you know, it's like the two big heavyweights in the in the in the in the territory going at it, mm-hmm. and here it's built like the two strongest men in the WWF, and then we have Monsoon out there as special ref. Uh, Bruno has the early advantage, and he's he keeps on pushing that advantage with those Bruno kicks. A rope gets brought into the match by uh, yeah. Graham. Bruno now focus. Bruno starts focusing on the back. Billy ends up digging his knee in the corner, and Bruno just starts destroying that leg. Bruno working for a half crab, and Billy's Graham is just great at selling that pain. Um, a low blow by Graham sets up his heat. Billy punching him in the stomach. Billy misses a flying knee drop, which again, you know, cuts him cold because he's had his leg worked over. He also dung it in the corner earlier. Uh, but then Bruno misses him in the corner, and Billy is biting Bruno's head. Graham has the belt and just waffles Bruno. Billy just, just Graham is just working that cut, and Bruno's making a comeback. Both guys are bloody, and the crowd pops for a Bruno bear hug. Monsoon <laughs> yeah. uh, throws the bloodbath out. Hell, even Monsoon's shirt is a bloody mess. Oh, uh, this one, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Super fun match. Three and a half stars. Uh, just did you guys just having a, just having that, like, it was like larger than life match. Just really good stuff. Oh, totally. Johnny? Okay, so I was excited to see more Ref Monsoon, and I also realized what he looks like. He looks like an old-fashioned bartender. Yeah, you know, oh, totally. He yeah. should be behind the bar going, one more there, uh, be- one more there, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a rag. He's got yeah. a rag over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, coach, you know, cheers. Uh, <laughs> I know, he does. Except, like, except he ate coach five times. Except he ate coach. <laughs> um, apparently, this rule, uh, Vince explains that the rules of this match are that Monsoon told him uh, he's going to referee this from a wrestler's point of view. 
And so I wrote down, that means anything fucking goes. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and here comes Graham and the Wizard. And for all their tie-dye and everything, the main color is black. That's their motif. And they're matching. And uh, G- B- Billy Graham's got a black like uh, boa, a feather boa, all black. And he uh, stole uh, even and he takes it off and he puts it on the wizard and the wizard struts around with it because they've got the fucking belt now mm-hmm. so they could strut around so the heels of this territory are this big california fucking drug addict hippie and his fucking obnoxious queer manager and there's nothing you people can do about it and i love them i think they're the because we watched all this old stuff, and they, th- this was the most refreshing thing that ever happened <laughs> in WWF, WWWF, you know, for quite some time. Yeah, it was ahead of it. I know that's the thing they they sold his DVD on. It was ahead of his time. Yeah, ahead of his time. Yeah, but uh, I actually I think he was actually perfect for his time because mm-hmm. there was a hatred towards that. He was a his Bruno's Bruno's fighting a a, a fucking hippie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and the hippie beats him and wins the goddamn belt, and then an all American boy fucking beats the hippie. It yeah. it, it was great, uh, and yet the fucking ropes. And I, I all I know is gorilla rules need to return to wrestling. They need to have this match is going to be under gorilla rules, which means the ref just decides what is and what isn't legal <laughs> based on his his whims. Most shit's legal, but every now and then he'll count something. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, the finish man, uh, you know, the heel gets away with it, and that crowd is chanting bullshit, bullshit, and uh, I, I love this. I, this was amazingly entertaining. It might be my favorite match I've seen uh, between the two of these guys. Yeah, they actually have um, several pretty fun matches, uh, really, really good matches. The, the two I mentioned uh, in early 76 are both really good. Mm. Um, I Excuse me. I think I like seeing it from the perspective of now he's defending it against Bruno. Yeah. I've never seen that. You know, where Graham is the champion, and there's a, a different. It, it makes the the psychology of the match different. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. The psychology is different. The heat is different from the crowd because you know a lot of them are expecting Bruno to uh, regain the strap and think that's almost like a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um. It's interesting because they didn't. This was it for them at MSG with uh, Graham as the champion. Um, they they and they, I think they booked this pretty smartly, um, considering they were going to end it here. Because this is like a super entertaining match that you know you kind of forget at the end that Bruno didn't uh, win the belt back in a way. Um, you got double juice. Uh, it, it was really entertaining, so it gave the fans fans their money's worth. Um, Monsoon was introduced when he was introduced by Jackie Lee. Uh, he uh, Lee gives Monsoon's weight, <laughs> which I thought was because <laughs> you know he's not even wrestling; he's just doing. He's just a ref, but he's still got his weight um, announced before. Maybe he's announced it so many times he just can't help himself. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's I think, yeah, maybe. Either that or Gorilla was a dick to him backstage, and he's like, "Okay, you fat son of a bitch, <laughs> ref's weight." Yeah, no, this was a super cool match because it was basically a Texas death match. It was basically no rules. Um, the rope being brought in, Graham would use that again against Dusty Rhodes in a few months. Um, uh, the the rope from under the ring. 
it's molten hot crowd. Totally molten. Uh, Bruno used the half crab on uh, Graham at one point, which was kind of, I think, a callback to the Greek death match, because that's how he defeated uh, Spiros Arion in that match. So, you know, that's that's kind of a neat little wink saying, you know, I did beat a guy with this move before, so it's believable that Graham could uh, tap out there to it. Um, yeah, just awesome with the blood, awesome with Monsoon being covered in blood on with his shirt. I, oh, and the, the, the highlight of the whole match may have been when Graham tried to uh, run back to the to the dressing room and Monsoon goes and grabs him. Oh, grabs him, carries him back. Puts him off over his shoulder and brings it back. The crowd just goes nuts for that. That was the biggest pop right there. Um, yeah, what a great, what a great brawl. Um, I went four stars on this one as well. I'm just throwing the stars out all willy nilly. Uh, you gotta be careful of that shit. You might break <laughs> people's fucking uh, yeah. minds and hearts. <laughs> I'd love to start a debate on on PWO about oh you're going you're overrating these Bruno matches or something yeah I doubt that's gonna happen um, but yeah this this is this is another one of my all time favorite <laughs> Bruno uh, matches it's just it's just great so from here now we get into the late seventies they have a match on the collection from '79 uh, with Bruno against Nikolai Volkov that we watched on one of the very first Titans. Um, I believe we, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure we watched this one. Um, I, I just remember it ended with like Bruno clocking Nikolai with a chair and then pinning him. Basically it was, it was one of those <laughs> sort of deals. Um, and now, yeah, yeah, I think, and then we would, that was like a talking point we had was that, cause if you remember in those early matches we watched, there was a lot of chair uh, mm-hmm. usage and 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 we were wondering, oh, why aren't they disqualifying him? And we were so naive back in those days. Uh, mm. And I think we, the point we came up with was like, oh, you know, the, a young Paul Heyman was in these crowds, so mm-hmm. why not? <laughs> you know, we yeah. don't even have to explain it. There's a, there's a chair. <laughs> yeah, well, in fact, he was taking pictures at ringside. I think maybe. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so now we're into the '80s, and of course, the beginning of the '80s was the 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 major. Uh, feud with Larry Zabisco. Um, we covered that on Titans, of course, multiple episodes. Here on the collection, you get the the uh, scientific match from Championship Wrestling that um, turned into the 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 big turn, where Zabisco leaves Bruno in a bloody heap on the canvas. Um, I have to give a shout out to a new podcast that's on um, the Pro, Pro Wrestling Only feed and at Place to Be Nation. Greetings from Allentown. Um, it's a great show. It's hosted by Peter Winson, uh, solo podcast, and he did a episode devoted entirely to that episode of Championship Wrestling uh, from January 1980, where he goes over the whole episode start to finish, and he just does a magnificent job. Uh, breaking down like second by second almost the Bruno Larry match um, check it out it's it's a fantastic podcast and uh, that one in particular was great so we have that match and then they go right straight to the Shea cage which is basically how how we got it back in the day on Coliseum home video where you'd get the turn and then you would get the cage and you get nothing in the middle you wouldn't get the promos leading up to the first um, encounter and all that stuff that we fell in love with. 
So, like I said earlier, it'd be great if they finally put this all together. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Kelly, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. That was how they finished out the end of the Best of the WWF Volume 1, right? That's correct, yep. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't remember anything else on that, but I remember renting that, loving it, and but they saved that to the end. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it was the main event of the first tape. Um, yeah. Yeah, and they they played it up that way. Yeah, it 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 was really cool. That's 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 how it did end. So, At a time when Larry Zabisco was in the competition, and they didn't like to do that a lot. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, Larry was long gone, part of the AWA by then. Um, and there is a bit with Bruno talking about Larry, where he puts him over as you know, well like. Basically, like a mix of kayfabe and reality, and and most of these Bruno <laughs> clips are, are are that, where he doesn't go full mm-hmm. full into uh you know, uh shoot, he always maintains a bit of kayfabe, but he talks about how Larry, you know, came out of nowhere one day and introduced himself and all that sort of stuff, and then Bruno did legitimately train him and all that. Um, he walked out of the hedges. Yeah, yeah, he emerged from the hedges. Like Bruno. Homer Simpson emerging from the hedges. Yeah, basically. While Bruno was like having a cookout in his backyard mm. or something like that. Like, you just go and get your... I will train you, but you have to get a college education first. Yes, yeah. get, get your degree. And then Larry apparently did. I'm not sure what he majored in. In uh, I majored... <laughs> No, no, he just went to, he, you know, he just went to some community college and got like a two-year degree. <laughs> it's good enough. One-year diploma. Yeah, I don't think he wasted too many years uh, in college before uh-huh. before uh, becoming a wrestler. Yeah, um, he started pretty young. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, the story doesn't really mesh exactly when you think about it. Um, any other thoughts on, on Bruno talking about Larry, Johnny? Uh, no, I, I would just highly recommend uh, you know going back and checking out in the Titans archives. It's at Place to Be Nation. Uh, those early episodes where we, I think we did we even did a highlight, the best of that y'all put together uh, about Bruno Larry and uh, just to hear us talking about it. Uh, you know, just listen to us more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Before, but it's, it actually is for more information about this to fill in those gaps. Because we're the only ones who have the footage, and I'm not giving it to you. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I, I put together like a near three-hour comp of us talking about the feud. Uh, Best of Titans of Wrestling Volume 2. That's uh, the one. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so now we're flashing forward. Bruno has a falling out with um, Vince Sr. over money. Uh, basically, I think he found out that he'd been uh, – that Vince hadn't been paying him the full amount over the years and there was other issues and such. So Bruno left and was gone for, I think he, yeah, he actually had a lawsuit against um, the company for quite a few years, but then he was brought back and David was now uh, his son. David was now a wrestler. Mm -hmm. So that was a big deal. And he brought him in. And, well, that was the con- like main condition that um, Bruno would come back only if David was was um, mm-hmm. given a spot. And so Bruno came back and did commentary basically with Vince uh, again, like he had been in the late 70s, and would uh, second 
David in matches, and then I uh, eventually get drawn back into the ring. And yep. it was kind of the, like it wasn't supposed to be um, part of the plan when he came back, but they needed Bruno to draw again. And yeah. especially in Boston, where over the years, like Bruno, of course, was a god in New York in Madison Square Garden, but he was even a bigger uh, attraction almost in Boston, where, for example, and this came up on a, a Zellner uh, Exile on Bad Street not too long ago, where um, when um, uh, Backland, when uh, Peter Maivea turned on Bob Backland, when Backland was the champ, and they had a big feud in uh, MSG. They actually ran Bruno against Maivea in Boston instead of Backlund versus Maivea, based on Maivea turning on Backlund. Like they didn't even do an angle for Boston with with uh, Bruno and Maivea, but because Bruno was so big and and Backlund was struggling kind of in Boston, I think, so they actually used Bruno there instead of Backlund. Um, they it's would hilarious. have yeah, and after 1980, because Bruno does 1980 all over with Larry in all the big cities. But then in 1981, he doesn't work MSG or Philly anymore, but he works the Boston garden in 1981 for a good chunk of the year doing main events against Hanson, against killer Khan, uh, I think against Sergeant slaughter. So he was really important in Boston. And this is what they mm-hmm. do in 1985. They bring I, him in. Uh, yeah, yeah, go I, ahead. I, I, but the strangest thing is that Bob Backlund, a pasty white guy with red hair and freckles, can't get over in Boston, uh, is insane. That's <laughs> because they, because they, he reminds me of me, but but he's nice. You know, they they wanted Bruno. It's that toughness thing. Mm-hmm. He's Midwestern. You know, and Boston's a again. You know, Boston's it's hard to get over a, mis, a Midwestern babyface in Boston. <laughs> Yeah, apparently so. Um, so, yeah, no, yeah, Bruno was... And, and again, in 1985, they didn't use Bruno so much in Madison Square Garden to draw, but they would use him a lot in Boston and also in Philly. In um, Philly, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, so those were two big cities for Bruno. And, yeah, I, I mean, and he even admits it, like, in this um, bit where he reflects on the 1980s, where, you know, well, I, I wasn't really the, you know, at my peak anymore. And I, I felt I was kind of, you know, cheating the fans. I wasn't giving them the best yeah. Bruno. It, it, it's so funny about that is you watch most of it, though, and it's great. Mm-hmm. It's great stuff. But to him, you know, he's like, no, this sucks because I'm old and I'm not giving him what I, I used to be able to do when he was young and the champ. But hey, well, well, what was the line? Yeah, I gave him uh, uh, old I, Bruno. I wasn't the old Bruno, but they got an old Bruno. Yeah, that was it. He, yeah, that was it. He goes, he goes, they're not getting the old Bruno. They're getting the old Bruno. I'm yeah. Like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> but but I remember loving that. And I'm just going to tell this story one last time before we go into this. WrestleMania 1. My mom takes me, my sister, and two friends to the Spectrum in Philly to watch it on closed circuit TV. You know, the big screens, uh, Mass Square Garden, of course, sold out, and Philly's closer. And she's bringing along her needlepoint and her Cosmopolitans and whatever, and just doing it for us. And 
when that David San Martino beefcake match happens and Bruno comes out in his 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 gray sweater. Yeah. You know. Uh my mom looks up and she's like, Bruno San Martino. And Bruno San Martino was one of her childhood heroes growing up in the sixties in this area and watching TV. He's the only one she remembered. The only one. And we were, they were Italian as well. And she's interested. And at the end, when Bruno runs in and clobbers uh, Johnny Valiant and, we're, and the whole place is going crazy. I look over, my mom's dropped her needle point and is jumping up and down just shaking her fist going like Bruno, Bruno. And it was like one of my favorite memories ever. So I can't shit on old Bruno because it, 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 there's so many great memories and great matches. I think that, that, that oh, well, no, totally. I remember me and Joey Wolfman watching that cage match at the garden with Santana and Adonis and Savage and Bruno and just sitting back going, holy shit, this is amazing. It's a bloodbath. <laughs> and and the Piper, and the, and the stuff we're going to talk about. I think Bruno acquitted himself quite well. Oh, he totally did. I mean, and it was great that he was older because it, cause the, the WWF had changed and there was new yep. guys in and there was younger guys. So it made for a good story where now he was the older guy. And going against punks like Piper and Savage, um, and you know it, it, it totally fit the whole uh, grand story of, of of Bruno's career. Yeah, and you look at it. I mean, uh, like Johnny says, he's he, he's more than kick punch, but his bread and butter is kick punch. And as as big as older Bruno, he can still kick and punch. And now he's working with younger guys who were probably better bumpers than ninety nine percent of the talent he worked with growing up i mean working as the champion and it worked like worked beautifully because these guys are bumping big for bruno's punches and kicks and stuff although the one point he does make when he's listing the names and he mentions piper nicely and when he mentions savage he kind of gives like a whew. and i think it was because savage worked at such a fast rate yeah. yeah, especially back then bruno was probably like oh keep it up with randy savage boy they had me they had me doing that <laughs> and, and I bet it also had something to do with the fact that Savage would use Elizabeth to hide behind, and that's not something that was normal. Oh, I don't think he gave a shit about. Up. I don't think he gave a shit about that. That's just character work. But I think he was just like he didn't want to be there in the first place doing it, and he's doing it anyway. And he, because he says he's like, I had to keep up with these guys. Like you said, guys who can bump much better and everything. He's like, I have to keep up with these guys with Piper. It's easy to keep up with Piper if you're Bruno. You're 1986 Randy Savage. It's really hard for a guy his age to keep up with. Savage, I was a professional baseball player. I mean, Mm -hmm. a minor league baseball player. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. an athlete. Uh huh. (laughs) No, totally. Yeah, no. Savage in '86 was this as good as anybody and as fast as anybody it was uh, you know <laughs> he was my favorite guy in wwf at the time i was like there's no one better than randy savage and he was my favorite like yeah. favorite wrestler yeah no it, it's 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 really interesting that they, that those two guys hooked up um well let's get into the piper feud because we have a few things to discuss here um firstly we go to madison square garden for a live piper's pit um, yeah, I, I just watched this not too long ago for the Place to Be podcast, 
Um, I've seen it numerous times over the years. Oh, me too. Um, Johnny, this is your forte, breaking down something like this. Uh, okay, I've seen this so many times. And uh, these live Piper's Pits like, were so amazing at the time. Like, okay, we're going to, in front of hot crowds in Philly, Boston, New York, we're going to do an interview segment. And the only ones that could possibly do this is uh, Piper. And it was always to build something. You know, for the next card, excuse me. Yeah, Bruno in there. No, I'm sorry. Piper's in there with Orton, and he's being a wise ass and going to introduce Bruno, and nothing's happening. And someone runs to the ring, and he goes, "I was just informed." Or, or the guy says, "Like Bruno Sammartino will not come out until you introduce him properly as the living legend." And he's like, "Okay, fine," and does it. Bruno comes out, and Bruno's already not taking any of his shit. He's ready. He knows what's going to happen. And the first thing he does is, you'll get this piece of trash out of <laughs> here. And Bob Orton, he's like, you want to talk to me? You'll talk to me like a man. You know, you, I don't want this garbage, you know, in the ring. And Orton is selling this just comically amazing. He's angry, but he's waving his arms and bugging his eyes out like, ooh, how dare you? And he's, and Piper, he's like, okay, Ace, you know, go ahead. I got this. This is an old man. So he sends Ace away and uh, says, have a seat, have a seat. And he's, he's making jokes about his age and his hair. And that, uh, my father went bald and he lived till 90, so he did good. And, uh, and of course, he ends up in a fucking argument and a brawl. He, he insults, he's like, you care for your snot-nosed kid, <laughs> which is always fucking great. Um, and Piper does this great thing, especially in stuff like this, because I remember watching this live and thinking i know this is fake but piper seems really cutting deep you know on some of his jokes not just with bruno but especially with bruno. he calls him a fucking wop <laughs> yeah you know he's like you dumb wop you know bruno shoves him and that's how it all starts and knowing what i know about piper you know backstage he was over there like, oh it's a pleasure to work with you mr san martino <laughs> you know it's like the professionalism of these guys and the acting ability. Cause I, I remember at the time I thought they really did not like each other. Yeah. When I, and I was like 16 years old. I, yeah. I, I, was, I knew I thought they really didn't like each other. And apparently it's the farthest thing from the truth. And uh, it led into this great series. Cause they, there was none of this really was on the syndicated show. No, the syndicated Saturday morning show didn't have any of this shit. I saw it on MSG Network, and it was compelling. And I was like, it should have been on the Saturday morning show. That was boring. This was amazing. And they're running in all these different markets, like you said. It's uh, and the crowd. Oh, when Bruno get, oh, he rips his shirt off, and Bruno gets his comeback. Place goes ape shit, ape shit. Ah, this was so much fun. <laughs> this whole Piper, the whole Piper Bruno feud. Uh, I remember just it was it felt like a secret that only me and like my friends knew about because we had MSG network. Because <laughs> so, no one else was talking about it. That's so cool. No, it was totally. A, or if you had the magazines, you knew about it. Um, exactly. But, you had to be a magazine reader and be like, okay, every Tuesday we're gonna like, go over to someone's house and watch the MSG card. Yeah, that's crazy. Pete, your thoughts on Piper's Pit? I am so glad we had to see this. They put it out there because a lot of people just remember Piper as like, like the Piper from Nitro, 
where he was kind of out of touch. Yeah. And later on, he was out of touch. But here, man, he's cutting edge. He's setting up Bruno for all his Bruno zingers. It was fantastic. Yeah. He, he showed ass. Um, he wasn't, he didn't believe in his own hype really at this time, point in time. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, Piper at his like most awesome. raw and stuff. And it was fantastic. And Bruno was a great foil. I mean, the, I mean, the, the, the lines in this were just, just, they had so many great, uh, uh, good lines, like the weight line. And then Bruno's like, yeah, I'm a lean 245 you know just yeah yeah yeah. are for everything just good good stuff and a way to really interesting way to build the feud i see you've lost a lot of weight i'm 265 and i'm feeling is the best in my life and i could eat punks like you for breakfast (laughs) yeah it shows how if you protect your legends you can they can come in and draw in doses you know Mm -hmm. yeah and we haven't talked about this on this uh show but uh, one of the last Titans we did was about the the greatest promos of the '70s, and and we really talked up Bruno on that one as a great talker, mm-hmm. and and he he was a great talker, and he holds his own with uh, one of the all time great talkers here in Piper's Pit, because um, Bruno's just so real, he's just so authentic, you know. There's nothing you know fake about him in a fake pro wrestling world. Yeah, it's 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 really awesome the aura he that. Might. Everything yeah. he sells. Yeah. yeah that, uh, Kelly, that's an amazing line. Yeah. He's real in a fake world. Because I'm sure at some point, someone backstage over his career was like, okay, Bruno, here's the points we want to hit. Everything's filtered through his just being a real dude. Yeah. You know, and it, and that's it, the reality. You believe everything he says. You never think Bruno's is like, oh, he's reading lines. Never. No. Ever. Most, or, most important trait of a babyface uh, when he's cutting a promo is, if, do you believe him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was so sincere. And it just it came through every time. Um, there's a Boston version of this Piper's Pit that I haven't seen before. And I, I'm kind of surprised they didn't put that one on since the matches we get are from Boston. Um, I, I thought I remember one seeing a Meadowlands version of this. Yeah, there may be. There's, yeah. yeah, I know there's definitely a Boston one. Um, but they they ran it in multiple cities. There's one in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this was a feud that they did in uh, most of the Northeast. Um, the match that came from the MSG pit was actually done in Nassau Coliseum. They didn't do it in. Uh, MSG. Do you think Piper like switched the ethnic slur for each city? <laughs> you know, like you know, here he was a wop, there he's a dago, there's a pasta vendor. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll have to. I'm Italian. Everyone, calm down. <laughs> so now we go to the Boston Garden. Uh, this is December seventh. Wow. Um, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor is a, a match uh, with Bruno uh. Piper at Boston Garden. Um, this is an all-out crazy brawl. Um, yeah, Pete, what'd you think of this one? Yeah, it is just a crazy brawl. It's a great piece of business to be uh, the first leg of in the feud. Um, just guys are throwing hands. Big brawl to start. Piper's busted open, and he's. He's ping-ponging for Bruno. Low ball, low ball by Piper to set up the heat. Um, 
you know, it's just these guys are just having fun working with each other. Um, they t- totally hate filled, and I thought it was a great way to set up the cage match. Really smart way, uh, and the finish was a really smart way to extend the feud. Yeah, and they actually ran a tag in between this match and the cage match in January. They did um, Piper Ooh. Norton against uh, Bruno and Paul Orndorff. Um, Ooh, I'd yeah. like to see that. Yeah, I've seen the Philly matches. Like, they had two matches in Philly, with the second being a tag team cage match. Uh, and I've seen those, but I haven't seen the Boston version of it. And uh, the tag cage match was uh, pretty fun from what I remember uh, with those guys. So they actually did three straight in Boston with Piper and Bruno. which And they sold out, I think, all three um, at the at the Garden, which is uh, impressive. Well, you have you have the hottest heel uh, in the world, yeah. uh, and especially there, and your hero, you know, of all time, <laughs> of course. Oh yeah, no, it, it, it was a perfect matchup. I, I enjoy the Bruno Piper matches better than the Hogan Piper matches. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I, I agree. I would agree too. I mean, I think the War to Settle the Score has like a transcendent sort of. Uh, status with the, everything that was going on there, and I, I love that whole feeling and that atmosphere, that match. But I think you're right, Pete. Like the actual, you know, bell to bell stuff between Bruno and Piper was was really good. And yeah, because Bruno has that rugged believability. Yeah, that that Hogan just doesn't quite have. You know, I mean, Hogan has other uh, other skill sets, uh, but being like the rugged. Everyday hero is just a Bruno thing. Yeah, and Piper had those feuds with guys like that, with like you know a Snooker that had that mm-hmm. different quality. And um, well, well, with, with Piper and Hogan, what it always felt like in WWF, when they did that, was here are the two leaders of both sides, and when they hit, they no one's gonna beat the other one, and so they cower. They they both move away to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, so the matches were, that's how the matches felt. You know, I never felt that they hated each other as much as like, Snook, like Hogan and right. say Hogan Orndorf or Snooka Piper. I never felt that they really hated each other. Or even Piper Orndorf when they have. Oh, Piper Orndorf, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It was more personal with the other guys and got, and got more violent. Um, what'd you think of this match, Johnny? Um, I love 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 and i always have the gorilla monsoon jesse ventura announced team on these msg shows because believe me to get to this we had to sit through a lot of shit and this is Boston <laughs> yeah, garden yeah garden. but we had the same announced team generally you know and they're easy riffing with each other and then they're announcing where it's jesse's not being like the over the top heel announcer it's him and gino you know what do you think about that gino and oh you know just i i love it. it's my favorite announce team of all time uh and they're on this they're riffing as they're waiting for everyone to come to the to the cage oh, i'm sorry i'm talking about the cage match um we'll move on to that because i i forgot to watch this one oh, that's right <laughs> i i i now i i just not on purpose i just i went to the cage match so, yeah. sorry about that. <laughs> I just um, realized that. Mm. Right. Uh, you're pulling a parv um, here. Um, uh, ooh, hey, hey, come on. Someone had to. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, no, th- like this is a short, short brawl, like a typical Piper uh, brawl. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. Like Piper's busted open within seconds of this match, uh, which is great. I love when blood comes out that early. Um, Bruno shoved the ref down. Like there was just all, and Piper low blowed Bruno. It's just dirty. Um, brawling mm-hmm. on the outside, the crowd's chanting Bruno, Bruno, Bruno. Uh, Piper kept trying to run to the back, and and Bruno kept thwarting him. And then finally, Orton had to come in for the DQ finish. And then then there's a there's a beatdown on Bruno two on one that gives a uh, really big heat for Piper and Orton at the end. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I mean I love both guys. Piper's one of my all time favorites. Bruno's an all time favorite of mine as well. So this is this is like a dream encounter with these two guys. I uh, I went three and a half on this one. Pete, did you drop any stars on this one? I I, I didn't throw a star. It felt more of a, a an angle uh, for me than a match. I mean, I enjoyed everything, but it's it, it's something I didn't feel comfortable star rating. Right. No, that's fair. That's his uh, that's his way of saying he didn't watch it either. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, whatever. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, let's see. I have a note here. Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, this was Bruno's first match in Boston since May 30th, 1981. Against, wow. Yeah, against Killer Khan that evening. Ooh. Um, so four and a half years later, and yeah, so yeah, the crowd had, had been waiting for Bruno for a long time. Um, now we go to the cage match, February 8th, 1986. Um, this is post Super Bowl 20, was it? I don't remember the number, but it was I. It was one of those. I, we weren't even a football family, but the '86 Bears were such a phenomena that oh, everyone was aware of it. It's the '85. The '85 is '85. I'm sorry. Say, oh, not a football family. Yeah, but McMahon, uh, uh, the fridge, uh, the sweetness, you know, Super Bowl Shuffle. The Bears were a huge thing. Not not in New England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was 20 because uh, 30 was definitely uh, in 1996 because I remember that one. Um, and it's one of Pete's greatest days or would have been, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah. Your beloved Bears capping off the 18-1, and one, I guess it would be, counting the playoffs season. Yeah, those damn Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. Dude, uh, they dominated that game. I, I, I remember this. They dominated that game so bad. They let... They let Perry run in a fucking touchdown. <laughs> yeah, no, was, and that's why you might have missed it. Piper has a shirt on that had 46 on the back. That's how many points the Bears scored. Oh, was that what the 46 yeah, was? Yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. And they were. And it was also the <laughs> the 46 defense was uh, was. The, yeah, that's the it name. too. Yeah, so that too maybe. Um, so anyway, yes. The the context for this match is that um, a few weeks earlier or whatever. Uh, the Bears had defeated the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. Well, defeated is not the right word. Destroyed the New England Patriots uh, at the Superdome in New Orleans. And so here we are, cage match in Boston. So Piper comes out wearing a Bears jersey or like a T-shirt or more of a, a shirt, not a jersey, um, and carrying two posters with him to the cage. One is a poster of uh, William the Refrigerator Perry. And the other is a poster of Jim McMahon, the quarterback for the Bears. And uh, this is foreshadowing for WrestleMania 2, because Perry, of course, would be in the Battle Royal in um, Chicago in that portion of uh, Mania 2. 
Um, so that's great. Him putting up the posters of the cage. That's <laughs> too like cage. only Piper could could have done something like that. Yep. Just a total Piper touch to something. Um, yeah. Because no, because he's like okay. I'm the most hated heel in the world. I've got heat. I'm about to go out and wrestle in a cage match with Bruno San Martino. The heat's going to be off the charts. Hey, Piper, I bet you can't get more heat. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> it yeah. goes out and puts posters of the Bears. The T-shirt thing, everyone's done that. Posters in the cage. Which then also leads to a great spot, yeah. Uh, which I'm sure he was thinking about. But holy shit, that's a guy who's like, I'm not satisfied with the heat that I'm getting. I'm going to make this nuclear. And that's amazing. It's amazing. Totally. Well, Johnny, you, you may as well finish off your review of the cage match then. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. Uh, what's One of the cool things is there's a camera shot where you see the scoreboard. And on the place where normally there'd be like the, the the clapping hands, it's saying, let's go, Bruno, you know, or Bruno, Bruno, Bruno on the fucking uh, the screens yeah. as people are saying Bruno. Uh, again, Jess and Gorilla here are fantastic, fantastic, because they're not taking sides and everything. It's they're explaining this hot, hot match. Uh and Bruno gets when he's getting his hands on Piper, and Piper is kicking the shit out of Bruno too. They have a great cage match, and they make the point. He's like, uh, Jesse's talking about, like, you wouldn't want to be in a cage with Rowdy Rowdy Piper. He's like, well, you know, Jess, I've never known anyone who's won more cage matches than Bruno or San Martino. And Jesse's like, it's a good point, Gorilla. And I was like, you don't hear this sort of civil discourse <laughs> <laughs> anymore in anything. That's why I loved them. It's because he was the heel, he was the baby face, but they respected each other, and they actually, and they had to call so much bullshit, and that they bonded, and I thought they were the, the best. I think that's why Vince went with them for all those early pay-per-views. You know, at, at the end of the day, the early pay-per-views was uh, Gorilla and Jesse. Mm -hmm. uh, they were the best. Yeah. And they were the best here, and the matches, of course, it's just... So Bruno at that age pulling this off and credit to Piper and credit to Bruno as well. I love, I love this. I think you, I think if Kelly, I think you said you were going to give it what, uh, 18 stars. Yeah. Maybe just seven, but we'll see. Okay. <laughs> uh, seven. yeah. How do you get ahead? <laughs> Pete, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, all the bear stuff is fantastic, and we get this super, super great brawl. But my God, Piper's blade job is about as obvious as like a big zit on your middle, on your nose. I mean, it was so <laughs> blade, and he's just, I mean, I, it reminds me of like when Bret Hart would always describe uh, how Flair would blade, and he'd just show it on, on, on when he's doing one of those RF video shoots. This is Piper. He's just freaking cutting himself on the forehead um, but uh, either way I, that doesn't matter I, that didn't bother me because I thought it was just great mm. but man crowd's hot Bruno's destroying the cut his work is nasty Piper's elbow to the balls was great 
Bruno gets busted open. Piper is bumping like a pinball for Bruno. Love the finish with the chair because it's a payback to the original angle. Yeah. Uh, great stuff. Three and a half stars. Super super stuff. Another what I call, I always call it because Piper was the master of those like seven to ten minute brawls. Yeah. Called the, I called them the Piper special. And this Ooh. is another one, man. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of Piper's best brawls, I think. Uh, it's just great. Uh, the cage atmosphere, Bruno in a cage, double juice. It's, yeah, I, I love this match so much. <laughs> we even get Piper's tights pulled down for half the match. <laughs> he doesn't bother to pull them up. He doesn't bother to pull them up. And I do love the fact that at the one point earlier, the earlier footage where it's Orton, Piper, and Bruno, and they all show up and like, did we all agree to wear blue tights? Yeah, I forgot to mention that. They're all wearing the exact same thing. Yeah, I always get a kick out of the old school watching like the 80s stuff because they didn't really matter. You'll, you'll see that happen a lot. Yeah. But nowadays, Vince would go bananas <laughs> if both wrestlers, the baby face and the heel, were both wearing well, blue uh, it's funny because you figure you figure Orton and Piper are a team, so they wear blue tights. And like Bruno, you can't wear blue tights. They're wearing blue tights. And Bruno's like, I don't give a fuck what you think. I like blue tights. I'm Bruno, goddamn San Martino. Yeah, because in the '80s, Bruno was mostly blue. He had black sometimes, I guess. Uh, Piper, but yeah, he was mostly blue. Yeah. Mostly blue. Piper was almost always blue, but Orton yeah. had a variety of colors. He would wear yeah, he was green a lot, green, red, blue. Yeah, yeah. he was changing. Yeah, he was an artist. <laughs> he was the artist of them all. <laughs> but yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, Bruno, are... I remember Bruno's too because Bruno got one of those LGN fucking dolls that I thought sucked because he couldn't move their arms, uh, but he had blue tights on them. Yes, he did. Yeah. That was the iconic blue tight Bruno look. Um, in the seventies, he had more uh, variants to his uh, to his trunks. Um, and, and his hair. <laughs> I know. I love how he just you know said fuck it, no more toupees. I'm going natural now. No dye. You know, just uh, the, just all natural <laughs> Bruno in the eighties. You know, but he's like, you know what? I want to try that mustache again. <laughs> 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 yeah, he would eventually bring that back. Um, yeah, I love this one. I gave it four stars. I, I think I've given three now to uh, Bruno. Um, yeah, great match. Yeah, the ending, right. The chair, perfect. Calls back to the Piper's pit. Perfect end. One of the rare uh, Piper uh, uh, losses. Losses. Yeah. yeah. But that's another thing. He did get pinned, so in Piper's mind, he can still keep his heat. Yeah, and it's true. I, I mean, that, that's true, but let me tell you, I almost guarantee you that if they said, if he had said, you're going to get pinned by Bruno, Piper would have been like fine with that. Especially because this, again, not on the syndicated show, only for markets. No, I agree with you. I totally agree. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, Johnny. Um, so now we're, we're still in Boston, but now we're going to another, you know, great all star from this. Time period for the you can tell by the Celtics floor, <laughs> yes, in Boston, the, the parquet and then the banners. You can see the Celtics, you can see the Bruins banners hanging from the rafters. But they also made sure there was a lot of space between the crowd and the ring in Boston because those people are animals, 
Yeah, so. that was a unique thing. The railing on the the steps to the ring was unique to Boston. Yeah. The... Yep. <laughs> um. So yeah, now this feud was based on, well, I guess Bruno and Savage kind of had a few different run-ins. In 1986, because Savage and uh, Bruno are involved in the whole Tito feud in MSG that eventually becomes the the tag cage match that you referred to, Johnny. But then later, of course, you have the Savage Steamboat match on TV where Mm -hmm. Steamboat's throat is hurt and and you have the famous (laughs) confrontation in the back. You slime! Where that was, yeah. So that was that was on TV. That was one of the rare times that this feud was, or Bruno had a feud sort of start on TV. Um, it was, dude. It was. I remember loving that so much because I love both guys. He's like, oh, he's getting, but uh, he's a little hot dog. Why don't you put a little mustard on him? Yeah, you're proud of what you've done, your slime. It's the greatest. <laughs> yeah. So they would use that as 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 the impetus to as to as a bridge and as also as a bridge because they had to sell Steamboat's injury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Savage was red hot. Steamboat had to be out for a few months. So now you have Bruno and Savage in Boston. Um, I'm not sure if they worked Philly as well. They definitely didn't work New York yet again. Um, but um, here in Boston, another hot crowd for these two. And they did two matches in Boston. We're just going to look at the first one. The uh, other one's up on the network, though. Yep. Yeah, I, I was just about to say it's uh, the whole um, that show, that garden show is on the network for uh, the rematch, which is a lumberjack match uh, between the two. Um, yeah, Pete, what did you think of Bruno and Randy? I really I enjoyed this one. The one that's also on the network though is the one of the times where Bruno actually felt felt old in that match. But here, mm-hmm. uh, I was happy we got this one because this is a good one, and uh, we see him uh, Savage hiding behind Liz, and the crowd's just eating all this up. Bruno just knows how to do a believable brawl, and the difference between like I, that's the point I was talking about. Between now and then is he has guys who bump bigger than the guys in Bruno's era. And so it makes everything Bruno does look so much more credible and more exciting. And, it, and maybe it's because we're more used to that style, or I am anyway. Um, Savage hits Bruno with a couple flying axe handles, and Savage gets tied in the ropes, and Bruno's whipping his ass. Bruno is just a great, great walking tall baby face. Another fun brawl, but with a total bullshit finish here. Uh, but man, he's just <laughs> fantastic. Uh, 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 baby face. Uh, three star match. Cool. Johnny? Okay, I just uh, took a note based on uh, what you're talking about. Like, okay, Bruno uh, had to work with Savage between so, so steamboat you know could recuperate you know and lead up to that and i thought well who would have been the other choice and I'm like, well georgie and will steal because they'd had a previous feud and it got me thinking do you what are the few things people like bitch about about steamboat uh savage at mania three is george Steele at the end and i even remember watching it live and being like eh, okay but yeah <laughs> 
do you think people wouldn't shit on it as much if Bruno had been in Steele's role and more of that had been shown on the the syndicated show that Bruno and Savage because they did show they had a history, you know, you slime. Mm-hmm, all that. Mm-hmm, if it had yeah. been Bruno with with Steamboat who had tossed uh, Savage off the top rope when he had the bell, I don't think anyone would bitch about it. I will say I hate what if scenarios. But this is a great what if one, Johnny. Thank you. And I think <laughs> I, w- I would have loved this booking choice more than Steel. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, but I'm thinking it's hypocritical on people who would say one thing or the other. But uh, it would have been better. <laughs> so there you go. Here's Elizabeth at her absolute hottest. Yes. Just totally. oh god. Size zero. I mean. Oh. How she slunk into that dress is beyond. Good uh, lord. Physics. Yeah. I don't want to take this creepy, man, but holy shit. Oh, take her there, Johnny. But no, but no, no, I'm not. Because uh, uh, here's the thing, and you all remember this too. Back when we grew up, hot chicks were a, not a dime a dozen in wrestling. We were being told that sunshine was gorgeous. And it was like, oh, you know, no. It wasn't until Elizabeth and then Missy Hyatt. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're good looking. You know, Precious was okay, you know. Uh, and But Elizabeth was gorgeous and not slutty at all. And, like, she slinked into that dress. And this is her at her most beautiful and youngest, where the act with Randy is at its peak. Their act is snapping perfect, you know. Because she is in all the right places she needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know, she just never was all that expressive. Yeah. Which was good. You don't want her being expressive. That was Brandy's job. Uh, but so you got Lord Al Hayes and Bruno goes, and here's why sometimes on commentary, me and Joey would shit on Lord Al Hayes. Bruno gets savage in the fucking bear hug. It's Bruno. He does the bear hug and savage is up just selling it. Great. And they go, it's a bear hug. And Al goes, perhaps it's a reverse atomic drop. It's like, oh, no, Al, no, of course it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Al, Al Hayes, a spot monkey fan of 1986. <laughs> <laughs> this would be better if they did a reverse atomic drop. Yeah, shut up. Uh, and then, of course, at the end, it's the run-in of undercard guys. <laughs> and it was just fun to look at like, hey, there's. Who, who, who got there? There's Corporal Kirshner. Yeah. There's C.V. Offie. Danny Spivey. Scott McGee. And Mike Rotundo. Oh, you know, just that group. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I remember that group. They opened every show we used to go to, the Spectrum. Yeah, and all the, so, uh, the B-level hmm. uh, duplicates of, like, bigger stars. Oh, oh, oh dearly, it was it was literally it was the fake snooker, the fake slaughter, and the fake U.S. Express come to run in and save the goddamn day. Kelly, you just pointed that out. I holy shit, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord, that's fantastic. I, I didn't even think of that. Uh, <laughs> but. Savage Bumper, again, you're saying the one match Bruno wasn't keeping up. I think that plays into what we were talking about before when Bruno went, oh, Randy Savage. But this one, he does. 
Yeah, and the other one, the other one was only like four minutes. And yeah, it just seemed like Bruno seemed old in it. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he's Bruno's, Bruno's game here, and Savage, another guy who is full of respect for guys his dad liked. You know, and all that. I'm sure Bruno was one of them because he bumps around for Bruno here like a maniac uh, and makes Bruno look like a million bucks. So God bless Randy Savage. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Savage, Piper, they both had huge respect for Bruno. Um, Yeah, I like this one, too, a lot. Yeah, the crowd was just as hot as it was for the, the Piper matches. Savage was a really hot heel at this point. And and that's the town where he beat Tito. So right, yeah. that too. Yeah, um, and this was technically for the Intercontinental Title, so it's interesting that Bruno uh, was challenging for it. But they mentioned how, like, you know, Bruno, you know, he just wanted Savage, and so be it if it's going to be a title match. Um, I don't really care. <laughs> I just want uh, I just want that piece of slime. Um, <laughs> uh, and Bruno no sold a double axe handle <laughs> at one point and just poked. Savage in the eyes to take control at that point. I, I loved that spot. Um, yeah, we got some brawling on the outside. That was fun. Um, and the finish, of course. Yeah, I mean, Pete, you called it a, like a cheap finish, but it does. You know, you're there, you're building to a lumberjack match, so that's that's a perfectly acceptable ending with um, a count out spot there at the end. And I, I really liked the the post match with Bruno. <laughs> So pissed off, you know, he puts him in the bear hug, won't let go. The refs couldn't break it up. You know, the the B crew couldn't break it up. Uh, actually, it was Tama. It wasn't CV Offy. So it wasn't. The, oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. But, I mean, Tama was kind of a poor man's snooker as well. So. Well, he was Tonga kid, you yeah. know, so he was snooker's sidekick. Yeah, So, so not, but not CV Offy got... Oh, I, I've seen enough of that guy on the, uh, lately to uh, last a lifetime. He's horrible. Um, yeah, so he was I, so intimidating. I wouldn't ask for his autograph at a pizzeria. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, I gave this whole thing with the post match included three and a half stars. Um, the the post match really bumped it up for me because it it got pretty intense. I loved how the, it took everybody to finally. Uh, control Bruno, who was just uh, totally enraged by the fu- by the uh, finish. All right, well, that's the end of our um, our exploration tonight. Um, after that, let's see on the network. Then, yeah, it pretty much wraps up. You get the Hall of Fame speech and um, the unveiling of the statue, the Bruno statue. Um, Anything else to add there, Johnny? Yeah, let's just talk very briefly about Table for Three. Yeah, yeah, I was going to bring that uh, up. Because they did a Table for Three with, it was called Championship Edition or something, with Bruno, Ric Flair, and Randy Orton. And at first, I know most of the people who like this show are going to Randy Orton. Thank God Randy Orton was there. <laughs> Okay, because number one, everyone's like, Randy Orton, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he, he's not the asshole he was 10 years ago. Now he's like a calm family man. <laughs> and the <laughs> flair is wasted. 
He's wearing a giant gold crucifix that yeah. Flava Flav wouldn't wear. Yeah. See, I don't know because if he's wasted or if he was uh, out drinking pickled. all night. Or out drinking all night. This was a breakfast, it looked like. What, one way or another. Okay, one yeah. way or another. Dude, dude he's so pickled. I, I could easily see him out drinking at 3 in the morning okay. at 7. So he's definitely, definitely not of, his, of sound mind. Though. He's pickled. He's wearing a giant gold cross. And he mentions at one point about I ain't drinking no more. And like looking at the cross, I think like Sean is trying to get him into Jesus. He's like, "What does it take? Just a big cross? Good." Uh, and he's but his up. eyes are all bloodshot. Like, bloodshot. Yeah. He's red as a fucking beat. Yeah. Randy Orton is being basically the facilitator of this. And he's very interested in what Bruno has to say. He, Bruno's telling his stories about his mom and the mountain and the Nazis. Apparently, Randy's never heard these stories, which makes sense. These guys don't listen to podcasts and all this shit. And he's like super interested. Flair looks like he's going to cry or pass out. And, uh, and every now and then, Flair's got to start bringing up some shit. Like, you should have seen what Randy was like partying. He's like, <laughs> and Bruno's just putting up with it. And Randy keeps trying to bring the conversation back to Bruno because he's very interested. He even makes the point. He's like, he's like, you know, now that I've worked with you on doing this, you've worked with my entire family. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, so your, your grandfather and your father in Madison Square Garden. And they're having this nice conversation. And Rick Flair's like, remember that time Harley Race showed up? In St. Louis with a pistol? Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that had no, yeah, it had nothing to do with anything. Nothing. And, and Bruno looked like disgusted. <laughs> disgusted. Disgust. He's like, he's like, he, he showed, he showed up with a pistol. Comes backstage, Hogan almost shit his pants because he thought he was gonna put a bullet in his head. And the camera catches Bruno looking at him like, what the, f-? you know that that's why you are the Southern. And we're the North. <laughs> <laughs> you piece okay. of slime. You. Disgusting. Like, you, you feel like Bruno's about to go into the lecture of, is that how you want to represent the world title? Yeah, you, know, well, you call yourself the NWA champion. No, there's a reason why New York doesn't recognize you and your kind. <laughs> I am the greatest of all time. It, it, it came through. He's like, fuck. And I love Flair. Flair's one of my favorite guys in the world, but this did him no favors. However, it was hilarious. <laughs> when he's like, remember, remember Harley Race bringing a gun in and threatening to shoot Hogan? Is the Bruno, the look on his face, and the cameraman knew what they were doing because they stuck on that and went in for a close up. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. But. And they shake hands, and yeah. you know Bruno doesn't think much of Rick Flair. No, <laughs> I'm no. Sorry. And, and you know Vince is probably hiding in the bathroom, laughing the whole entire time. Laughing, probably. Laughing his ass off. Sick. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Bruno's expression looked like he walked in on his parents having sex. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Bruno, Bruno wasn't that upset about hearing that his mom got shot by Nazis. It was like, what the fuck? Like, what is wrong with you? It was like, remember I was saying how earlier Bruno was like, you know, Stan Hansen didn't mean it, and he's come to grips with shit. That threw, he was throwing some shade through his eyes there. Like, 
we're we're here for a nice dinner. <laughs> you bring up that sort of talk. Yeah, and there's some known heat between them over the years. Um, yeah. In in Flair's book, uh, he pretty mm-hmm. much buries Bruno as a worker as a performer. Yeah, that was, but that was also during the where I mean that was also during the roundtables. They all shit on Bruno except for JJ Dillon. So it was uh, definitely a, 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 you know, he was just trying to favor points. It's the same right. thing when he was shitting on bread always throughout his book. Yeah. I mean, that was- but, I, I, but now that you mentioned that, I do want to mention one last thing before we wrap it up. Uh, remember in Philly, uh, those, the old Philly footage, you'd see that big giant banner that was like handmade and sewn. That's a Bruno Sammartino, greatest champion ever. Yeah. Uh, I got to see that. At the very last Philadelphia Civic Center show that NWA slash WCW ever did, and it was Bruno main uh, refereeing a Flair Savage match, and it just oh, popped yeah. crowd. And I saw it. I was like, "That's that." It was the. It wasn't a replica. It was that one. Someone had those fans saved that, right. and they brought it there. And that was Bruno refereeing a Flair match. With Savage in Philly. Uh, but yeah, I just, oh, I, I was just cringing for Ric Flair here. But yeah, it wasn't a good, it was wasn't a good life for Flair. And, and Orton just seemed like he really wanted to hear, I mean, but like, Bruno. yeah, he, I mean, and even with Flair, I mean, he's probably heard all Flair's fucking stories. So but yeah, but with Bruno, it was fresh. And I mean, how, I mean, he probably, I doubt, you know, Bruno's not the guy who's, I'm coking around the, the locker room too often. So this is like, no. oh, yeah. You know, so he gets one, some one-on-one time with the living legend and was able to pick his brain and, and he, flare. All he did was want to talk about getting fucked, and fucked drunk up. And how much pussy that he was getting, yeah. you know, and guns. And it's so funny because someone, I, I, I saw someone post this somewhere. They're like, you know, it must be bad if Randy Orton is the guy in charge. And I'm just like, again, <laughs> he's, he's, he's older and married and fine now. And that's what made him more the, all the more uncomfortable. He, he, to Pete's point, he just wanted to hear Bruno tell stories. Because, again, you worked with my grandfather. You worked with my father. You know, this... I want to hear this and then Flair being Flair with a giant crucifix because he don't drink no more. He's found Jesus. Uh, it's 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 wonderful and crazy. And the sad part is these things are usually like an hour and a half and he edited it down to 19 minutes. So I can't imagine what all else was going on. Well, you never saw them eat. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're eating a bit, but I'm wondering, like, is, is the food even warm or like what, what is yeah. going on exactly here? It's well, I've, I've watched the, I watch all these, and I see sometimes like the one with AJ Styles. It starts, he's finishing his steak, and then the next scene, he's starting his steak. So, oh, you know, yeah. Done, man. Yeah, this is one of those wacky WWE Network sort of ideas. I don't know. I'm, I'm fantastic. I, I love it so much, but. Just, I'm just embarrassed for Ric Flair. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, no, no, I, yeah. I love Flair, but the whole train wreck gimmick is—it's getting tired. Yeah, the guy's like, how old is he now? He's getting close to seventy. Yeah, I was like, dude, calm down, brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, maybe, maybe, well, maybe Bruno put it in his contract with him. He's like, if I'm going to do this, I'm gonna look great. Who can you put next to me that's gonna make me look great? Oh. Hey, Rick, want a few drinks? 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's on TV. No, I mean, yeah, there's so much potential you could do with Bruno for settings like these. Imagine, imagine when Hogan comes back, like to do a, to mm-hmm. a sit down with Bruno and Hogan and maybe Cena or something like that. Oh, that's the point I wanted to make that we didn't talk about. The, the thing where Bruno is talking about the modern product and how he came back. And we all know that Triple H, he loves Triple H. But he goes, I watch it now, and I love this John Cena. You know, he, he does charity work, and yeah. he is a good guy and does all the right things. He goes, but then I watch, and half the crowd boos him. I just don't understand it. Yeah. And then he says, it's a different audience, I guess. And I'm like, yeah. To Bruno, if he didn't watch for as long as he you know, said he did, and finally decides, okay, I'm going to watch this, you know, John Cena, perfect hero. Half the crowd's booing him. I'm sure that the Bruno he did. Bruno's like, I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not only really booing him, they're yelling, "Cena sucks!" at the guy. Like he's like yeah. the world's heel. Well, know? I don't use the word "suck" because I have class. Right. Well, I mean, to be fair, Cena's entered more into a, a respected now. role yeah, now, yeah, where yeah. he's not not. It's not so much the fifty fifty anymore, but uh, yeah. definitely yes, and uh, yeah, of course he was at his peak, but. Uh, yeah, well, Bruno's a, such an interesting man. We could talk about him for hours and hours and hours. And We have. Yeah, and we have, just like old times, um, probably close to three hours. But it was a blast. Um, we yep. ta- talked about some great matches uh, covering different eras, uh, some just really amazing stuff, like – People uh, out there listening, you got to see those MSG matches. Um, got to see the Piper stuff, uh, the Savage match. Um, all incredible. Uh, all of it. Yeah, so so great. Um, any any closing thoughts? Or are we are we good? I, I just want to say that it was an absolute pleasure to do this because I know me and Pete do a weekly show, uh, Space City, where we talk about uh, Houston wrestling. Then me and Kelly, of course, we do our comic book podcast, Imaginary Stories, every now and then, but we do them. So I still have my connections uh, with both of you. And the three of us doing a show together, uh, within 10 minutes, all the old chemistry was back. So yeah. it was a pleasure, gentlemen, and I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, I can't, I can't even put it any better. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll repeat what Johnny said. Uh, okay. Wait, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's great. I mean, um, exactly the old chemistry and talking about old old uh, friends like Bruno helps and and, yeah. and the New York crew that we're so familiar with. Um, but yes, yeah. Well, f- the future of Mount Olympus is wide open. Um, I do have uh, an idea for a show coming up to do to look at the history of pop music in wrestling um mm-hmm. you know like the the use of actual quote-unquote real music in wrestling that's what i used to say yeah that's what i want to explore so basically like the 80s um, i still do i still use that i go yeah that's what back when the Freebirds used a real song yeah um so i think that'll be a super fun topic you know, look at the origins or try to with like Gorgeous George and maybe even earlier. And uh, the Freebirds, of course, the Von Erics, 
uh, all that stuff in world class, all the stuff in Memphis, mid South. Uh, then of course, Hogan and I of the tiger. And, and there's so much to, to discuss. Um, even ECW in the nineties, I'd love to touch mm. on, on that stuff. Cause that was a big part, oh. a big part of the, the presentation. Yeah. yeah. Which oh, yeah. unfortunately is, yeah. Have you tried to watch ECW shows uh, on the network with all the music gone? No. You can't. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Unfortunately, you know, they have a ton of ECW on the network, but no um, original music included at all, which sucks. Because, um, yeah, it was such a big part of their uh, their show. So, yeah, that's. I think that will be the next... Uh, Mount Olympus, uh, Johnny, of course, I'd love to have you on. Pete, if uh, you're, it would be you're, my pleasure. Yeah, Pete, if you're up for it, you're welcome to join. Always, and, always, always have time for you guys. Yeah, so look for that probably um, yeah, later on in the summer. We'll, we'll get that one out. All right, guys. Uh, well, till then, um, have fun doing the NWA. Um, Thank you. You're, it's an interesting, interesting times now with the whole ownership thing being kind of up in the air. We'll, uh, but I know you guys have a backup plan uh, ready in case, uh, case that goes away. So that well, 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 before we leave, me and Pete decided that we're going to do a show that's a niche of a niche of a niche, <laughs> 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 and we're going to do it well, and it's a lot of fun. So. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, you guys do an awesome job on that. All right. Good night, everybody. It was a pleasure um, to get together with these guys again, and you will hear us uh, again in the future. Are you working on a tagline for an outro? I know. Like, that was (laughs) totally freestyling there. Yeah, I know. I can tell. I realized... (laughs) <laughs> I realized mid-sentence I had like nothing to say. I'm... <laughs>